This episode of Comics Monthly Monday is sponsored by M. Sean Engel, also known as Joe, I spent my hard-earned money and all I got was this shitty promo, Anthrax from the Forum for Geeks. Mr. Anthrax is not a multinational corporation. He's not a website that wants you to go check him out. He's not a band that wants you to go listen to him. He doesn't have a product that he wants you to buy. He's just a listener who decided to sponsor a Two True Freak show. And as such, he gets our appreciation. Thanks, Sean Engel. This episode's for you, man. Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. and Chris Honeywell. Hello and welcome to Comics Monthly Monday number 25. Uh, ah, I'm Chris Honeywell. Hey, hey, hey. And I'm here with Johnny Bueno and I am drinking peach soda which is making me burp like crazy and uh, so you, you can enjoy that. Uh, once again, it's it's going to be another unusual episode of Comics Monthly Monday since instead of being homeless and jobless, Scott Gardner now has a job and he's super busy this weekend. So this is a sort of last minute Comics Monthly Monday. It should be fun. Johnny Bueno and I have been talking about recording this segment for a little while uh, about one of our favorite comics ever. Yep. Uh it's but definitely it, in the top. I, I think it is my favorite comic. I of was all gonna time. say. I think it, I. I wouldn't say it's my favorite comic of all time, but it's up there. And, um, yeah. But I. I remember you saying that this could probably be your favorite comic, which is Daredevil one hundred and eighty one. But before we get to that, this is just the perfect confluence right now since you're here, and it's today. Is I got. Uh, some mail today. Oh. Uh, two underground comics. Really? Which I got because you pointed me in their direction. Oh, that's right. <laughs> You're the one who sent me the uh, the link to their to their auction, sort of, and and I just caught it too. Like I caught the email. Like, uh, you you caught yeah yeah somewhere. you must have found them just like in the last couple hours of the the auction or something. Yeah, so, I was watching them. Why well, I. I you know, I, I'm obsessive compulsive. I'm always online looking for stuff like that. But I already have co- those copies. But uh, did you open them up yet? Yeah. <clears throat> tell, tell the people, good people, what you 
Well, I got them. I got them both for I think it was like a dollar thirty-five a piece. Yeah. And oh, I think another, that was the shipping. I think they were ninety-nine cents plus a dollar thirty-five for the shipping. It was. It was something that I, I, basically it was under three dollars each. Yeah, so, it's crim- it criminals. What it was. Yes, exactly. It's criminal. <clears throat> and uh, the first, the first one I'll tell you is is just the one I bought on a whim because it looked good, and it's called the Legion of Charlies. And uh, this one's a little beat up. I mean, it's all here. It's not ripped up or anything, but the spine's pretty badly rolled. I don't right. care. I like the art in it. Um, I'm opening it up to to tell. Yeah, you. I'm trying to remember who the artist was. I don't have my underground. <laughs> well, the credits are okay. Let's see. The credits are Vetch, 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 but it's not Rick Vetch. It's um, Tom Vetch. Tom Vetch. Tom Vetch. Irons and Sheridan. Right, Danny Sheridan, and, and uh, well, that's that's who the art his that's what the art looks like. And the Irons is Tom Sher- Jer- Sheridan. Jeremy Irons, right? I don't know. It just says Irons. Uh, shit. I'm... Jeremy Irons is an actor. Right. The hell am I so, thinking here? I don't know. Oh my god! It's not Iron Man. You freaking caught me completely with my pants down. Well, okay, well it's okay. It's the internet. I have, I always have the suspicion that when I'm talking to Scott, I've caught him with his pants down <laughs> a lot on on these shows. So this uh, basically is basically seems to be a little commentary on um, the America being a psychopathic and using Vietnam and Charles Manson as this two sort of symbolic elements i haven't read it yet i've just thumbed through it it's beautiful i love i love this i love this art it's It's really good for black and white it's unusual for an underground because it it, usually undergrounds have packed in frames you know small small frames but this is pretty you know sometimes there's two panels three panels on a frame it's sort of big art which is usually the opposite of it's very but, cinematic. Yes, yes, and it, I'm I'm really looking forward to reading it. But the other one, that's the five. That's this is the one that you pointed me at because earlier you had also I don't know if you picked it up for me or if you'd also just pointed me in the direction. Of no, it, I but, actually picked up a bunch of those at one point, and, and I had next at one point I had like five copies, and I was like, "Well, oh, shit." And that was and that was what we thought was the first. Appearance of Zippy the Pinhead, Tales of Toad Number Two, right, and uh, which I like. I love. I'm a big fan of Zippy the Pinhead, so that was really cool. But then with every day, but then with a little bit of uh, research, we found out that it wasn't actually the first appearance of Zippy the Pinhead. That was in this comic, Real Pulp Comics Number One, right. Which yeah, I got for the criminally low price of like ninety nine cents or. It might have been like a dollar or something. Somebody else might have bid. I yeah, might have no, I to. think that one went up to like two bucks on you. Because I had put, I had set a maximum. I had, uh, I was a high roller. I'd set a maximum bid of three dollars, and there was actually an Arkham, um, Big Ass Comics number right. one, there for ninety nine cents that I put a, a big old. I think I went up to four dollars on that one. But yeah. I got outbid on that one for sure. I don't know what it ended up as, but that one's a classic. We'll that, have to delve into a classic crumb some other comic well, monthly month. You know, I mean, those crumbs you could go and buy them. They're on their like forty fifth printing by now. But that was an original 
you know. Yeah, Wh- somewhere in this... the first, first or second printing. Whoever this was, I, I have a feeling that this was somebody who might have bought these originally. Like an older guy. It has it has an older guy sort of, or old, I shouldn't say guy because it's really not gender. Like, but it has an older person. Um, I'm seeing if I can, if the envelope's within reach. It's not, but the Greg envelope. Irons. It's Greg Irons. The, Greg I, Irons. I, I the, Irons. The envelope had, you know, this person did. Go, this person had just stuck a shitload of stamps on it, you know, and. Right. It's just old school packaging, and they were in sort of just a, a light, ah, peach soda plastic bag. You know, not in a real, you know, mylar bag or whatever. I I love it. This real pulp looks filthy. It's uh, it is looks filthy. like it's all it's it looks like it's all sex stories. It is, and it's filled with classic underground early versions of some of these underground cartoonists. I mean, it's a I mean, great Bill, comic. Bill, Bill Griff, uh, um, Bill Griffiths, the Pinhead story in here is an. Er, it's I mean. Zippy's looking Crow Magnet in here, and it's like a true romance type of comic story. So he, right. it's a sort of crude, but his art, you know, you can see this is early Bill Griffith. His his art got a lot better, even though you can tell he's trying to ape that crude style. It's um, and uh, who else is it? S. Clay Wilson, um, uh, Kim, is it Kim Deitch? Kim Deitch. Kim Deitch is it? Justin Green, Art Spiegelman. Yeah, I all mean, the uh, classics, all the classic, legendary underground. Outside of you know, Crumb isn't in that one. No. But, uh, still, all those guys are legendary. You see, they the thing about to... Crumb is, I think I've pretty much seen almost everything Crumb has done, and as far as these underground comics, so I sort of like it when I see one that doesn't have Crumb in it because it means. I'm going to be seeing more stuff that I've never seen before, you know? Exactly. That I have a comic full of of these classic artists that, that I've never seen any of it. Um, Spiegelman's looks especially beautifully drawn. Little Artie Spiegelman. It was Bill Griffith who, uh, or it's Griffith, right? Yeah, Bill Griffith is the one who uh, pointed me in the direction of Real Pulp Number 1 being the original first appearance of Zippy. I had a couple emails back and forth with him when I was <clears throat> thinking about buying some stuff off his site. Do you do you subscribe to his uh his daily strip? I I have it bookmarked, but I haven't been to it in a while. I, I keep get forgetting sent, about it. I get it sent to my email inbox every day. I should and do that. I've been I mean, I've been reading it probably for like three years now. And it's just like Holy shit! You know, it's the only comic strip. I, it's one of I'm, the things I do every day. I read the Zippy the Pinhead strip. I love, I love Zippy the Pinhead. Um, yeah, Fantagraphics were printing the the Zippy quarterlies for years, and I used to uh, love getting those. I those remember seeing them at your place. Yeah, I still have them. I, I I should go online and see if I can find it. I've got a few of the collections of them. I've got quite a bit of Zippy, but a lot of it's collected in the quarterlies, and so I don't care. Just as long as I can read it at all. My favorite is I got a collected uh, Griffith Observatory, yeah. which was a strip that I don't know if he was running it syndicated or whatever, but it ran for a limited amount of time before it I think it was, it and there were some times where it was in rip-off, it was in rip-off comics as well. 
But I loved it because it was just straight up him editorializing, you know, on society. And what I loved about Bill Griffith is he didn't really get into, like, politics at all. He just got into, like, pop culture and the way people act. And it was just, uh, I mean, between him and um, Peter Bagg, they were just my favorite, like, non- they just, you know, nobody was safe from either of them. You know, they they would dissect, I, I, you know, their observations. You know, Bill Griffith was getting driven up the wall in the seventies because people were wearing those puffy jackets. You know, you know, all that trendy stuff just drives those guys up the wall, and they just tear at it. I love seeing that stuff. I love it. <laughs> And they're both masters of it. I wish Griffith Observatory had gone on forever because I love – those are great, you know. Well, Even though just, they're, like, out of date. They're, he's commenting on stuff in the 70s and the 80s. Well, I was there anyway, so I guess – Well, just last week uh, – not this week, but all of last week. I think even the week before, he had a whole series of strips about different decades from the 1900s. Oh, yeah, 1940s. He had like three or four strips, like you know, just all the stuff that people were saying and making jokes about it, and how they would dress. He did it for the 40s. He did it for the 50s. He did a couple for the 50s. He did a bunch for the 40s. You know, and, and the 30s too, with uh, all that. What do you want to call it? Flapper stuff. Yeah, yeah. And the jazz and. All that stuff. I remember that. Remember there was a time period where they were actually. I think somebody optioned a Zippy movie, and he probably had written a few screenplays and stuff like that. I've always wondered if they could ever do it. There was a time period where he had sold like a script or a story idea, and there were they they were in pre-production. For a Zippy the Pinhead movie, and then it never happened. Sure, it did. It was uh, the Neighbors with uh, Dan Aykroyd. And John <laughs> I love that movie. That's a great book too, by the way, folks. If you ever see that book, it's by uh, um, William Berger or Thomas Berger. William Berger is my grandfather. And, you know, Thomas and the, Berger. Co- the Coneheads too. I mean, there's there's definitely. I mean, the Coneheads were. The Coneheads had a little bit of zippy in them, but they were they were actually a lot more intelligent. You know, they weren't as nonsense. You know, that's the thing about Zippy is a Zippy the Pinhead movie, and and Bill Griffith is such a you know I don't want to call him a grump because not in real life because I don't know what he's like in real life, but his persona of the what is presented in Zippy is this like curmudgeonly you know uh, critical view of society. Viewed through like goofy, you know, completely abstract, bizarre, non sequitur sense of humor. You know, I mean, he uh, at the same time he does do bizarre non sequitur things, but they're often you know a reference to an art movement or something like that. So how, you know, are you talking about his character Griffey? Griffey, or just the the approach to the 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 you know he does very postmodern things with Zippy and has in the past he's had whole he's had whole you know runs of Zippy for a while where he was like for five weeks he drew them like they were all Hello Kitty characters or oh, sometimes yeah. it was only word balloons he only had word balloons for a little while because conceptually they had 
disappeared. They somebody had thought of something that made them disappear, so they were just word balloons conceptually. You know, stuff like that. You know, but he manages to make it funny. But I don't think Bill Griffith would be would want to do the movie that like Hollywood would make him do in order to be like. I don't think pe- you know he would make a movie that in order to to please its audience who are probably the only people who are going to see it, would have to make sense to almost nobody else. <laughs> that, well, they would just wonder. You never know. That the, might work, though. That worked with Pee Wee Herman, you know, though. When he was the co-editor of uh, Arcade Magazine, he was definitely one of the ringleaders. And I think, unlike a lot of the guys in that time, he wasn't as much... I mean, he was for a little bit, but... He went through his hippie phase. It was really well, short. If you if you watch if you watch that TV if you ever see that TV show on Cartoon Network, Tim and Eric Awesome Show, yeah, um, that's the same kind of humor, and that shows does really is doing really well. By the way, speaking of Pee Wee Herman, my roommate's in New York City right now. Yeah, seeing, what's seeing Pee Wee Herman live? It's the Pee Wee Herman. Sh- it's the Pee Wee Herman show. It's. He's revived the Pee Wee Herman show, the stage show. Wow. It's he's has it running constantly in LA, I think. Somewhere out in California, near LA. But it's in New York City and her friends who have all these frequent flyer miles just flew her to New York City and she's staying in the hotel with them and going to see I don't know if she's seeing him right now or tomorrow, but she's seeing Pee Wee Herman. And then she's going to Buffalo next week to see Tim and Eric. Wow. So she's getting to see all that cool stuff, and Devo, and yeah, maybe she'll have dinner with Pee Wee Herman next. That's what we're that's what we're sort of anticipating. I'm hoping I'm hoping she makes connections with Pee Wee Herman. He can come stay here when he comes to Rochester. How often does he come to Rochester? I don't know. Never. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember ever coming. <laughs> no, I don't think you know. I, I imagine he's does like he's gonna do like New York City or L.A. You know, it's probably a limited run in in New York City, but that's the story. And he's still trying to, as far as I've heard, I keep hearing the stories that he's still still trying to shop around the dual Pee Wee Herman movies, um, one for adults and one for kids. Well, he should. I was, yeah. <laughs> He probably just has to prove himself again. He has to prove that he's bankable again. That it, in this day and age, it, what and you know the fact that he was found with his with his peeper out in a in a darkened adult movie theater just doesn't seem to hold the shock value that it used to. You know what I mean? Doesn't seem to be as the, holding up against him after you've seen like. You know, full gynecological inspections of like Pamela Anderson and Paris Hilton and stuff like that. You know, you've seen the speculum, you know, in on those two, and you know, it just doesn't. It just does. Yeah, it just doesn't seem as scandalous, I guess. So, uh, I I wish, man, I would love two two Pee Wee Herman movies. Yeah, I don't care if it was just a kid movie or just one or the other. I don't care. I'll take them all. Both. So far, you know, they're shooting two for two and 100% with the TV show. So so how can you go wrong with Pee Wee Herman? That's all. The only way you could go wrong with Pee Wee Herman is if you go to a adult movie theater with him. And if you do, at this point, you know what you're getting into. So what the hell? 
Well, you know what? The the uh, the silver lining in that whole thing about him getting busted is the fact that he was the butt end of one of the greatest, funniest jokes of all time. At his own expense, yeah. Well, are you talking about when he came, what was it, the MTV Awards or something like that? No. The joke goes is what are Pee Wee Herman's two favorite baseball teams? The Expos and the Yankees. See, I was thinking you were talking about when, like, oh no, like a month no. afterwards, nobody yeah. saw me came out on the MTV and was like, "Heard any good jokes lately?" Yeah, well, that was the one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was the good joke. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the one. Yeah. Yeah, they don't make, you know, you don't hear those timely jokes anymore, you know? I think after OJ, they sort of died out, you know? You didn't hear any Phil Spector jokes or stuff. Remember, there were space <laughs> shuttle jokes as soon as the space shuttle blew up? Yeah. Yeah, remember? Well, what was yeah, the last well, thing that we... went through Christy McAuliffe's mind? Yeah. Her ass. <laughs> All, all kinds of all all kinds of tasteless stuff, and that was like that was like within a week of <laughs> <laughs> of of the tragedy, you know that that was before the phrase "too soon" was <laughs> was used. Yeah, and I mean, I mean we didn't even have the internet in those days. Those were no. the only things that spread that fast were jokes like that. Right. Those are the only thing that could like spread in days all across the country. It's it funny. Wasn't like earlier a pop tonight, song. earlier tonight, I had a a joke that actually is the punchline of a, of like a lot of different of like a series of jokes. The legendary, what do you call a guy with no arms and no legs? Who? Bob. Remember, remember those jokes? Yeah, 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 yeah. Eileen. <laughs> yeah, Eileen. Um, Russell was my favorite. <laughs> Russell's is a quadriplegic <laughs> and a pile of leaves. <laughs> and then you throw him on the at the front doorstep and then you can call him Matt. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All of those. But uh, yeah, I, actually I heard somebody like I saw some it was probably some family guy or something where they were where they had the Beatles and they were making they were making Eileen jokes at um <laughs> at Paul oh, no. McCartney, but there was, it was Eileen, and what was the other one? I can't remember what the other one was. Peg. Peg. <laughs> 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 they go. What's your new? What's your new? What's your new wife's name? Paul Eileen. And he's like, that's not funny, mates. And Ringo's like, maybe it's Peg. And they're like, see, Ringo gets it. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Daredevil 181. Uh, man without fear. It's really hard for me to snap back into it after that. One dies, <laughs> one wins. One wins, one dies. Uh, my God. Yeah. So. So, um, I guess I'll say, just like always in comic book land and collecting comic books um, what issue of Daredevil did uh, Chris start collecting at Daredevil 183 was the first was the first Daredevil I ever picked up huh and uh, um yeah and by that time you know by the time I figured out 
how good how much I wanted to read the back issues. You know, it was not happening. Yeah, it was too late. Yeah. Well, oh. I was even worse off than you. I didn't start getting. I I read a couple. I think the first one I read was like one ninety two or one ninety three, mm-hmm. and I bought my first one at uh, one ninety six with the Wolverine. Uh huh. When <laughs> they mispainted his thumb and his claws are coming off the inside of his hand. Oh yeah, so well, the top the, of his hand. That was that was that one was like I think. I, I think by that time, maybe Frank Miller was just coming in and like drawing some stick figures on a piece no, of paper. No, he wasn't doing it at all. He it was, was like Klaus Janssen mostly. Klaus Janssen, just sort of faking a Frank Miller style, right. and, and and yeah, it it came off real sloppy. Yeah, um, sloppy, I that, sloppy. Well, and not only that, but the story too. You know that led up to. Bullseye getting his spine replaced with an adamantium spine. You know, it was well, so that's... predictable. It was yeah. so predictable. You know, and all of a sudden they brought in this guy from out of nowhere called Darkwind, who was going to do this for him so that he will be his. It was just, it just was weak. It... And then you know he gets the spine and Daredevil kicks the shit out of him in issue two hundred, which. It was like all predictable. I was see. I was done by issue two hundred. Yeah. I think I, I the last the you know I I when once once it was sort of past that Miller Klaus Jansen run. I got the one that Harlan Ellison wrote, right. and I got the ones where Frank Miller came back. Right. With the, see. With the, with the kid with the little little black kid and the gun. Right. That one was a May. Was that one ninety one? That was 191. That, and that was one my... was amazing. Yeah, that's in my top 10 of favorite comics too, actually. Yeah. That that one was like and it was and it was not only like a a sort of return of Frank Miller, but it was gorgeous like one of the most gorgeously draw, you know. I I don't know if did Klaus Jansen ink that one? You know, um, I don't think, I think he, he did. I think he did. And actually, that was actually Frank Miller's last. That was the last issue that he wrote and draw from drew from the from the first run. Believe it or not. Well, I got it right here. I'm almost positive. Maybe it was all Miller. Oh, it you know, I know why. It, it just... was. It was Terry Austin who. Oh well, it. yeah. Well, there you go. Well, you get that beautiful. You know, I, he's a lot more precise. Yeah. Than Jansen, but at the same time, he does have that really flowy, organic. Oh, he's uh, uncanny X Men inker. Yeah, what the hell? yeah, and yeah, and it it just made for a beautiful. That's a beautiful issue, but that's that's neither here or there. We're well, talking. I mean, they all kind of tie in together, yeah. and that's kind of where I was going to start with issue 181. I mean, on its own, Daredevil 181 is, uh, it, in my mind, unequivocally, and I think, just what everyone agree with me, a, a masterpiece. Yes. Except for maybe Scott, because, you know, Scott doesn't read or doesn't know or understand Daredevil. Maybe hopefully he after he tonight. Read, he might have read some uh, some of this, the the Miller run or or something yeah, like that. But that, but to I'm me, sure. I mean, 181 was really the end of Act Two and the the high points of the whole Frank Miller original Daredevil run. And uh, starting with uh, 
168 with the origin of Electra, which I reread a couple times in the last week, and you know, it just doesn't have as it's, it's a not sketch. as good as it's a sketch exactly. The story wise, not really art wise. The art's beautiful, but it's right. it's just sort of like snapshots of right. Of, exactly. You know, it's just a very you know. Personally, I don't think Frank Miller's a very deep guy. I think he, I think when he came started doing Daredevil, he was doing stuff a little deeper and from a different approach than anybody else had. But now, in retrospect, like you know, he's his female characters are oh, have always been a little sketchy. You know, and you know they always make you think a little bit about how what Frank Miller's view of women is. And, Dar- and and Electra's no different, you know. She's sort of got the a little bit of that sort of Madonna horror type thing with, with the horror aspect of her not being like she sleeps with a lot of guys but that she's a hired assassin. Right, the, you like, know, the, like the good you go and bad. Like the splash page, the number 175, where she's standing there posing, you know, in, in a two-piece red bikini just yes. sitting there stretching with her head arched backwards. Arched backwards, yes. I, yes, I remember that. Really, that's, that's burned vividly into my psyche. You see, well, what <laughs> happened was when I started getting I started getting Daredevil and the Wolverine miniseries at the same time, and yeah. I had this friend who was my art class friend. That was the only class we shared, and his name was Mark McDonald. And he liked to draw army people, and he drew very... You know John Severin? Yeah. The artist John Severin, he reminded... Yeah. His art style... In high school, he drew a lot like John Severn. Very well, detailed, meticulous, realistic sort of art. That's a very high compliment. Yeah, he was very good. And I mean, I was in awe of him in art class. And he's the one who, you know, he's like, oh, you like comic books. What comic books are you reading? And I told him I just started this one called Daredevil. And the art is beautiful. He goes, you like Daredevil? And he goes, hang on. And the next day he came in with a box full of the um probably from about the mid 60s to to um like the late 70s of Daredevil uh, 170s of Daredevil and a whole pile of um heavy metal comics oh, which yeah. I've never seen before and he said here you can read this and it like you know like I brought him back the Daredevils and meet cuz I read the Daredevils like five times like in the next 2 days and it was just like oh my god and then Work through the heavy metals, and so at that point, and the, and the thing about his back issues of Daredevil is he had incomplete, you know, he had missing issues and stuff. So, and they were so good that I was just dying to find out what was happening and see the beautiful. Um, I, and I mean, I, I I just can't describe how different and awesome Frank Miller's approach was when he first Prepared showed to what up. was going on at that time yeah. especially yeah nowadays nowadays you see a lot of people drawing very similar to this but not then and and um and so i was just dying for it and so then you know i'd look in like mile high comics at the back issues and it was just like oh nope <laughs> ain't happening exactly. you know not on exactly. my not on my, you know, $5 a week allowance it, w- it probably was at that point. Yep. So, yeah, but to me, I mean, the thing I mean, the, the thing with 181 is, like, it's, it's the slow build up 
from like 168, but really 169 is where it starts to get good. Uh-huh. Where they where they have the bullseye, and bullseye has the tumor in his brain, mm-hmm. and next thing you know, he's like hallucinating that everyone looks like Daredevil, and he goes on this killing spree because he thinks he's got to kill Daredevil. It's freaking awesome. Oh, yeah, there was crazy shit going on in this little Frank, Frank Miller run, you know? And then from there, you know, at the end, he was, like, about ready to be run over by a train, and then at the last minute, uh, uh, Daredevil pulls him off the tracks, which right. puts him in jail. Well, it doesn't put him in jail, but he's, like, super pissed about it, and he carries that grudge with him. He's like, not only did you guys beat me, but you saved my life. And yeah. So well, that's, that's what that's what the whole beginning of this book is, is him just stewing over that, just exactly. sitting in his ste- cell, you know, burning up over it. I mean, I love it. The first, the first page is bam, Daredevil getting his brains blow, blown out. Yeah, you know, in the crosshairs and blood splattering on his forehead. You know, is which is you know, it's just the whole thing. I mean, you open up the page and that splash page, and I was like, holy shit! I mean, first of all, you know, leading up to it, that was the last thing that anyone expected. No one, you know. There was no previews or anything like that. No one right. knew anything that this was coming. Right. I mean, there was like 10 issues where Daredevil, you know, he gets, you know, 170 through 172. Yeah. It's the, uh, and probably within a couple issues, there was something saying, you know, double size issue coming up, you know. Right. None of that. Know. None of that beforehand, because I've read them all a hundred times. And, you know, they, they had the the Kingpin and Bullseye 170, 170 to 172, 173. And then he brings in Electra, and she gets involved with uh, uh, what's his name there, um, like with the uh, with the saw blades on his hand, Melvin Potter there. Right, right, right. And then you know, so he uses whole thing with Electra, and they bring in the ninjas. As remember, this is the first time they bring in the ninjas, and this is because of Electra. And they had that one giant badass ninja. He was involved with them. Kirigi. Yeah, or Kiriji or something like that, but it was like spelled like yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it, but yeah, he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they finally had to in order to wipe him out. That was when Stick showed up with the guy. What like one guy right. who was like iron, and I am stone, and I am wood, right. and, and all those guys had to. And you know, and it was a lot of this stuff was stuff that Miller was. You know, now that I've I've collected a lot of lone, old Lone Wolf and Cub comics and stuff like that. You know, I can see where he got a lot of his style from, especially yeah, exactly. when he brought the ninjas. You know, he brought the ninjas in so he could flat out draw, you know, samurai ninja fight scenes. You know, and right. Daredevil, and but thank God he did. They're gorgeous. But and, but the thing is, is that you know, Bullseye was, you know, he was showing up quite a bit in the, from like issues one fifty nine through one sixty one seventy two. Bullseye's in like a third of them, and then all of a sudden he's not around whatsoever, and all the focus then goes to uh, to Electra and the Electra. ninjas and all that. <laughs> and then the uh, they kind of wrap up the the Kingpin storyline with with Vanessa being in the in the sewers. And yeah. All of a sudden, this this issue just shows up out of nowhere with Bullseye. I was like, where the hell is Bullseye? And the fact that either him or Electra is going to die because. You know, those 12 issues from 169 to 180 are just, every last one of them is just builds on top of the other. It's just amazing and how 
all these different little subtleties and plot lines, and he's got Ben Yerich in there. Yeah. He gets he gets uh, hurt pretty badly by Electra, and then yeah. they start off with 181. The first page, it's like holy shit, Bullseye, and it's op- You know, the whole comic is in the perspective of Bulls of uh, Bullseye, which you know didn't really happen a lot back then. Not that I can recall, anyways. Back in 19... I think this came out in 81, didn't it? And and, this, and it was... Here, I'll tell you in a second. It was, 82. And 82. It, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, like, the the tough talking and stuff in this, you know, was at a grittier level. Oh. You know, way pre, pre, way pre and way below the levels of, say, like, Sin City and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, the, the these... The, the characters, while still being, you know, ridiculous in in all their ways with their superpowers and, and you know, the ridiculous stories, were a lot more gritty and realistic. In, or, or, well, realistic in a pulp way. You yes. know, they're in a pulpy form. So, you know, so they're more like gritty pulp characters out of a detective novel. So, you know, he can't swear, but he does, you know... He finds ways for them to say, you know, what what they need to say and still sound like a, 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 a authentic tough guy without sounding like some comic book tough guy, you know. Oh, exactly. You know, his his jargon and slang is, is right. Awesome. He, his, his Well, that's the thing is he has a natural his I, I you know, I would compare him a lot to like when people when Quentin Tarantino first showed up in film. Right. And all of a sudden there were character these characters and their conversation while being not realistic had a re- had its own flow to it, you know. And right. and Frank Miller has a flow, you know, his characters don't just speak in exposition, which happens a lot in <laughs> comics especially of this time period. They talk as much as the characters. You know, they're still talking their thoughts out loud, but their thoughts are a lot more interesting. They're a lot more succinct and, and sort of in a natural flow, and they and everything, everything that they say and in the frame adds something to the story or the drama of it. You know, I mean, this is one of the few runs. Like when you talk about like Ben, er- when you were like, and Ben Urch gets horribly killed instantly in my head. I can see the sequence of him down, and he like coughs. And right. Electra hears him and wings a sigh at it, or is it a sigh? She a sigh. She yeah. gets him like in the lung with a sigh, or you know, like gets him, and you know, for at that point, it appears that like she's killed him. Yeah, and but the I last can, line is the last line is lousy cigarettes. Yeah, and and uh, I can see that whole sequence in my head, you know, and it, with this, you know, this whole sequence with Bullseye working out and stewing, and. Uh, you know the way his headache happens, and he has to deal with it. It's all setting up for later on, and 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 completely cinematic. You know he, it, it, the guard gives him his pill, and it and the camera literally pulls in on his eyes, and then we see Daredevil, you know, superimposed working out over his eyes, almost like it's a crossfade in a movie. You right. know, as he pictures what he would be doing right now, you know, working out or whatever. And uh, yeah, the the the, uh, the prison scenes in here are awesome. He, uh-huh. uh, you know, and it's kind of interesting. There's even a little bit of a preview of what's to come a couple issues later because he runs into the Punisher in the in the courtyard, mm-hmm. 
I love that scene too. And the Punisher like gives him information to get it like to right. piss him off enough to get him out of it. So he'll try to break out just cause he he'd like to see might... him get killed. Yeah. <laughs> it's freaking awesome. It's absolutely awesome. And, and, and then the escape is great when he takes the pill and he spits it and hits him in the eye with it. Mm-hmm. It's just freaking all in one page. It's like, he's got like seven, you know, it's just seven uh, down vertical panels and just shows everything perfectly just the chaos i would love to have that freaking page man yeah <laughs> oh beautiful yeah i can't Holy imagine shit. how much uh original art of this stuff runs i know but and and another thing is the the guests or you know the 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 tv host is you know just a big rip on tom snyder one of the most like right. smarmy hosts <laughs> ever and he gets him totally right here too he doesn't look like tom snyder but the way the guy talks Right. He's completely like Tom Snyder. And right. and uh he gets an early ahead of its time jab in on tabloid TV, you know. I mean, right. this was a little over the top when this was in the comic, but nowadays right. this wouldn't be like over the top on Maury or Jerry Springer or something like this. No. You know, this 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 sequence is just not as crazy as it was. It's it's a, just the way he he gets out is is awesome and manages to 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 get a helicopter and off the guard that's been tantalizing him and torturing him right and it's interesting because then he finally pans to daredevil and it's like 10 pages into the comic and for to me there's something about this issue and how he drew matt murdoch he he drew matt murdoch this is like i think the best he ever drew him is that the way he shaded his glasses and all that stuff, he really got it right this time. It was a lot more photorealistic, I well, think, in this issue than he's done in other ones. That page you're talking about, that the first, like, the the big panel right. of Matt Murdock's head, doesn't yeah. that, uh, that reminds me of, like, classic, like, Tomb of Dracula era Gene Colan exactly. art. You know, the way, exactly. the, the way the glasses are shaded... And mm-hmm. you know the it's just sh- it's basically just shadow and light you know it's right very nice so there's there's a there's a lot of it, Gene Colan and Frank Miller's art especially with Klaus Jansen inking it yeah. I think for for both of them yeah and then he you know he ends up running into uh, what was his name here oh it was uh, oh the slaughter you know yeah, the, one the, of the, the guys in the magia. The bounty hunter, yeah, yeah, the mag—he's part of the Magia, and I think he's part of the Magia. But yeah, it's just freaking awesome that you know. All of a sudden, he's suspecting, and then, then all of a sudden, he brings Electra in, who you all of a sudden like, holy shit, that's right. Last issue, she was she was hired to off Foggy Nelson. Which, yes, that's right, and she couldn't do it because he knew that she was uh, right. Well, yeah, that's but, right. That's in this issue, actually. Right. So it's like, how does she, you know, to me, this is like, is she, you know, how does she forget who Foggy Nelson was if you look at the or- the original, but whatever. I think, I no, no, I think she didn't forget who he was. I think she just didn't think, I think she thought she could do it as long as, it, but the second that he said, wait a minute, you're Matt's girl, that's when she was like, shit, now he knows who I am. And it's just, it was too... 
It was too personal, you know what I mean? It was, it, it was, it, she would, she had thought she could depersonalize him enough to kill him, and maybe she could have until he, like, were, was just like, you're Matt's girl, and that was the, the, you know, the point where she just, like, was like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, it's been a while since I've, I've gone through some of the earlier Bullseye appearances, but I believe this is the issue the first time he uses a uh, a playing card to kill somebody too. Yeah, that was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with the ace of spades, of course. Yeah. You know, this is like god damn it. I mean, which I Miller appreciate was, even more now in my Motorhead appreciating well, days. Of course, but you know, that was that was new too. <laughs> At least for for us youngins. Um, well, all of this. I mean, the only thing that like was sort of a familiar element where that that like people our age had seen before were nunchucks, right? Remember, nunchucks were really cool in the seventies, and right. everybody people wanted making their own sets and, and stuff and, like that. Yeah, and 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 I mean, look at look at I mean, I think Frank Miller is really responsible for introducing the ninja into American culture. I think the the ninja as being a really fucking cool thing bubbled right. up from from this and I think this led to G.I. Joe <laughs> Snake Eyes and G.I. Joe who I don't know if he was really a ninja or just looked like a ninja or was like an ex-ninja or something but I remember there were storylines involving G.I. Joe and ninjas and involving Wolverine and ninjas well that was Miller too though right right and now, and now don't ninjas forget Teenage are... Mutant Ninja Turtles Right, which were a parody of Frank Miller's Daredevil. So, right. Uh, w- w- right, you're right. That's the direct line, and that's the direct line into pop culture, right there. But now, you know, ninja is like, it's a catchphrase, you know. Right. So we're we're seeing the the beginning of all this, you know, size and stuff like that. So the sigh was the big thing. Nobody'd ever seen a sigh before and knew what it was called or anything like that. Yeah. Until Daredevil. But you know the, the the fight the fight between Bullseye and Electra. I mean, it's always voted in the you know top ten of the all time greatest fights in Marvel comics history. Anyways, it's badass, man. Yeah, it really it's, got, is. it's it's prefaced though by that weird, like just before she lets Foggy go. Do you notice she's got anime eyes in that? Like yeah. big old anime eyes. But right. yeah, but it's it's completely done cinematically, and Frank Miller liked to do his fights. This was a fight where everybody shut up, you know? Usually yep. in comics, Marvel, DC, didn't matter if it was a superhero comic, even Daredevil. They were talking to each other. Right. Here, it's it's not. It's combat, you know? There, I, I, there's a little bit of internal monologue with with Bullseye, which they don't right. put in balloons; they put in, you know, boxes. Right. But for the and I think he goes Wah! at one point. But for the most yeah, part, yeah, she slices him in the face. Yeah, but for the most part, he doesn't say anything till the coup de gras, coup de gras, you know. And it's yep. just it's a flat out, you know, fight for, fight for life. And let me just say this: they freaking butchered this in the movie. Oh, it was so terrible. So so terrible. I didn't like this movie at all. Ugh. I I thought there were I th- the only thing that I thought was 
interesting about the movie was the way I liked the way that they depicted his radar sense. You know, his, yeah. I thought that was a very neat. I, I thought that was a very neat way of depicting it. But that I was really about wish, it. I think. I really wish they would redo this movie, redo this this story, because it was, you know, between who the characters were. You know, the guy who played Bullseye, he's, uh, well, he was and terrible. He, and I was, was I, I was not, I, I, I liked the actor who played the Kingpin. Yep. And when they announced him and people were like, oh, I don't know about the Kingpin being black, you know, we want a big white, white, white right. bald guy. And I, and I was kind of like, yeah, you know, I really don't care who the Kingpin is actually, if he's black or white, but what I want from the Kingpin is for him to be fucking mutatedly gigundous. He's got to be a big fucking tank of a man. And that guy's a big guy. But they should have, you know, Lord of the Rings forced perspective and CG'd him into a fucking giant. You know, they should have made him a a good foot taller at least. Right. You know, because the Kingpin is a giant man. He's, yeah, Michael Clark Duncan. He's not a normal man. Like, and and the the time that the the what really, I, I mean, I think Frank Miller was the person who really, like, illustrated that in Daredevil. There was that one battle where Daredevil and the Kingpin finally come to blows, and yeah, Daredevil like, starts uh, beating on him, and he's like, he's like fucking a, a frame. He's like he's a frame of flesh with steel underneath it. You know, he's like, what the hell? This guy is like, you know, feels like he's made of lead or something. You know, he was like this unstoppable, solid Hulk-like object. Right. And he that just was... beat the Daredevil to a pulp. Right. That was issue 170. That's what I wanted in the Daredevil movie. I wanted the Kingpin to be just you know, a real threat, you know, an insane threat. And right. Nothing, did, nothing worked for it in, in me. Uh, um, uh, Electra didn't work. Nothing worked in it for me except for the, the radar vision. I was, it was a watchable movie. It wasn't like, oh, I have to turn this off or this is boring, but it wasn't, it didn't capture Daredevil, you know? Nope. It felt like I was just watching some cheesy, just some cheesy movie, you know, some cheesy movie that that not a lot of time and effort was right. put into. Yep. And it's too bad because look at this shit. You have this laid right out for a movie. This is almost like a storyboard. It is a storyboard. Yeah, it's very cinematic. I mean, it's very, it's all laid out for you and it's more intelligent than that movie was, you know. So it's not like they... I don't know. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. They don't have to make it exactly, but, you know, it wouldn't be too hard to capture the feel of it, I wouldn't think. <sighs> I know. And you know what the scary thing is? Is I, I would love for them to, to do a real version of Daredevil, but for God's... And, and this, and, and this storyline of Daredevil and, and this whole Frank Miller run... But for God's sake, keep Frank Miller away from it, <laughs> no matter what, on any, even as a writer at this point. Right. Just keep Frank Miller away from it, man. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. Keep the creator away from it for its own good. <laughs> well, yeah. 
he's kind of lost some touch. <laughs> but anyways, I mean, it doesn't get any better than than that shot with the sigh. You know, no words or anything. I mean, oh well, the joy that with which he kills her. Right. He's just like yeehaw, and uh, and then. Um, and then as soon as she's dead, the the just sort of detached nature that he just, like, puts his hat and coat on and follows her to see where she goes, you know? Yep. And sits there smoking a cigarette while she's sitting there with Murdoch, of all people. Yep. Yep. But, I mean, he, he knows that she was dated Matt Murdoch because he was listening in on a bug with Foggy. Right. When uh, when they were in the in the back of that truck, and there's also a neat scene in here where he actually is getting drunk and he has the thought that that Matt Murdock could actually be Daredevil, and then he finds out he's blind and he's just laughing hysterically at the concept of Daredevil right. being blind. Yep, I love that. And then he gets he gets the rug pulled out from him at the end. Mm-hmm. Although, it is kind of cheesy. Well, I'll tell you this. He's a bad... Bullseye's a badass, right? He's... A, he's I, you know, I've, I've seen him in a comic book pick a fly out of the air with a, with a paper clip and a, and, a, and a rubber band. Right. So, you would think that he would be able to tell the difference between somebody sitting at their desk and talking... And a mannequin with a tape desk with a tape recorder running, you know. I mean, but there you go. You know, whatever. It's a comic book. <laughs> that's the only part I found. That's the only part I found kind of ridiculous. It was. It was. It was. I and agree. you can see how it would look in a movie. It would be a stiff as a board, non-moving thing. But you know, they sort of play it off because Daredevil starts into fighting with him immediately, right. so he doesn't give him a chance to really look look too closely into it you know but um yeah but he's got the gun on him which is hilarious and then he puts his hand on his shoulder and then he hits him he doesn't even ambush him yeah you know well I think but he still. he probably wanted him to put the hand on his shoulder so he would turn around and stop looking yeah, at the, the dummy well. I don't know I'm, I'm Mr. Post fix it in post try to come up with some <laughs> some explanation for it still it's a great fight scene another yeah Again. another great fight scene like almost immediately after the first one and it's staged completely differently you know it, it has a different look and feel to it it's across a rooftop and through you know skylights and windows and and of course famously ends once again on train tracks right and he, With, then he lets him go. Yeah. And then he lets him go, which is, you know. Which is not a big deal once again these days, but back then, you know. Well, yeah. especially for Daredevil, because Daredevil was a squeaky clean guy. Yeah. You know, he never drank or smoked or anything like that. He's crazy. But <laughs> maybe yeah. he should have been doing more, more drinking or than smoking. Law abiding, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's a lawyer. So, and, you know, the kingpin comes in here, you know, they do all that whole thing with the kingpin as well, 
But then the way they end this thing with all the different shots of of Bullseye's eyes and the thoughts of what's coursing through about, you know, being crippled like that. And, you know, I think the one line here, one of the last panels here, says, my spine is shattered and I can't feel my arms or legs. I can't even talk. But man, can I hate. I hate you more than ever and that'll be enough. Yeah, and then... And then the whole one where Daredevils plays Russian roulette with him is is lots of shots of the of eyes. Right. What I love is right. here's listen to the end of one of the letters in here. <laughs> they you know they're basically talking about how much they love Daredevil, they love Elektra even though they they hate her because she's a brutal murderer, but they like her character. But then at the end, the last paragraph, this is this is the last thing they print in the letters column at the end of this issue. Ambivalent feelings aside, please do not change Elektra's character. If she stopped being a killer, she would be killed. She has too many enemies for her to become soft. I dread next month in the confrontation between Elektra and Daredevil. I hope you possess enough skill as a writer to handle the confrontation between them without compromising their characters. I love your writing and drawing to date. The changes you made in DD's character are at the very least fascinating. Yeah, she was probably pretty, uh, <laughs> probably pretty dis. They were, I, you know, the thing is, they were true to their characters, but I don't think she'd probably be very happy with Electra being dead. But it's yeah, true, it she a- just she became soft and got killed in in this one. But you know, the thing is about that is, is you know, it was the. It was the right, you know, kind of like with the, you know, death of Jean Grey and and Gwen Stacy, although that one still, people debate that one. But the Jean Grey one, I mean, is the same sort of thing. It's just like, that was the natural path. She needed to die. And when she did die, she should have been kept dead. I mean, Miller brought her back. I never bought into that thing. I thought that whole thing was cheesy. I, I read the um, Electra Assassin. I hated that. Is that the Senkowitz? Yeah, the, the, Sienkiewicz. The Sienkiewicz. And then there was another one that, that um, Miller and Varley did. Right. That, and they were both... I I liked both of them, but I always viewed them as just sort of... I, you know... I, I didn't. They were like as, alternate reality. Yeah, and I wasn't really. I was interested in the one because I love Sinkevitz, and the other one because it was Miller doing it, and it was. And the Miller one was more of sort of a mythical sort of fable story. But I heard there's been, you know, there were Electra comics after that. I had no interest in them. You know, I had no. Although I, you know, had a lot of interest in her character. Uh, but you know, I was not interested in the in the reborn Electra. I like the I, you know, and I like I like the way they left it. And even though they left it a little bit open in in Daredevil for sure, you know. But um, I mean, I thought it was great that there's actually it, it, it's the next ep- issue, right? Where he digs her digs up her body, right? Within right. Within an issue or two, he's digging up her body because he doesn't believe she's dead. Well, that's the very next issue. And he, I mean, and, and and that's, I love mean, that because that's the total comic book thing: is somebody dies and everybody's going, ah, oh, they're not really dead, you know. And this one, it's like, no, look, here's the body. <laughs> it's blue, <laughs> you know. 
it's rotting in the grave. Here it is, you know. Yeah, and well, I thought, it's, a, it's a splash page again. It's a mm-hmm. really awesome you cradling know, front, a dead you know, body. Yep. Well, but it's I mean the art in that issue is awesome, but it's you know the front page is like a a really close up picture of Matt Murdock. Oh, it says she's alive. Yeah, 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 and he's all sweaty and right. And that was right. the one. Yeah, I love the whole storyline with Stick and, and that was you know. I don't know if that was before Mr. Miyagi and stuff like that, but... Yeah. And then they do all the stuff with the Punisher, too, in that one. So I've got some of these in comic, but I originally... I mean, I had them all in comic at one point, and I had to sell them. But um, I bought the trade paperbacks when they came out with them a few years ago. And they're, they're good, but they're not great. The reproduction on some of these are really bad. Yeah, but well, overall, you, you it's... would wonder why they would why they would take the time to make. Well, them they have it. now, and uh, they put together the Frank Miller Omnibus Daredevil Omnibus. But, oh, you know, it's like a hundred bucks. Oh, really? And it's out of print. Yeah, I mean, to me, that run is very similar to the Howard the Duck run that we were talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Seminal. <laughs> yeah. Just you know, just a a basic of that time period. Yeah. Good comics, people. Good comics. Yep. I'm trying to remember how much I paid for my. It was from Lone Star Comics that I got my. I got I I got 181 in the mail, and I got the whole story where he where he followed Vanessa into the underworld. Ah, which is awesome. The, yeah. the one where he fights the underworld, you know, king. The king, king. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Awesome. In the sewers under New York City. And that, then the, you know, you know, the fact that it was Vanessa, because Kingpin's wife was, was missing, and he had that whole thing where he was going to take control of the city with the mayor. Well, yeah, there was a whole, there was a whole drama where she was being held for ransom, and right. then a, a, where she was, a bu- did the building blew up or something? So she was assumed dead. And then Daredevil right. found her in the sewer and traded her for basically for the kingpin not taking over, right? Right. Like gave her, like tossed the ring and was like, okay, here's, here's a, it's amazing how much I, I remember. It's, yeah. I remember it's, this it's, shit. I know. I know. You know, they've done some pretty good stuff. I thought Bendis handled the whole Kingpin thing really well. You know, they did some other stuff with Daredevil and the Kingpin, like in issue 300, where um, Daredevil actually beats him up. And, you know, it's like, I guess, whatever. (laughs) And this also, it says in the letter page that this um, issue is dedicated to Wally Wood. Yeah, I know. 1927 to 1981. Yeah. I really like Wally Wood's style of art, too. You and uh, everybody else that reads comic books. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's amazing. Amazing. It is. It's just too bad his career got shortened because he was just an alcoholic. Was that what happened, I guess? Yeah. Well, yeah, he did all the original EC stuff. Yeah. Well, he did a lot of stuff for, like, Playboy and and stuff like that, too, that was just gorgeously, gorgeous 
gorgeously drawn. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't recommend it enough, especially for those out there who uh never been exposed to it. A, just a truly awesome issue and, you know, just uh Yeah, it I, should I, definitely I think... it would should definitely whet your appetite for for the, I mean, you know, it sort of saddens me it saddens me for the kids of today <laughs> that they have to see Frank Miller the way he is today instead of when he was freshy fresh. Uh, that he's freshy embarrassing. Fresh, that freshy fresh stuff is, you know, I mean, just uh, what has what's the last thing he did? Was it three hundred? Was it? Is he oh, still doing any? All Star Batman and Robin. Oh, I haven't seen that. Was it any uh, good? No, <laughs> it was like every time you turn around. He's, I mean, and people, you know, they'll, they'll call me on it because I didn't read them, but I kind of kept the prize of them. He basically put out his own Batman and Robin, and uh, he had Jim Lee do the art on it, which is great, but um, just the book was always terribly late, and he made Robin, I think, I think he made Robin into a girl, and, you know, just... You know, he's just, his thing now is his shock Robin's been value. a girl before, right? Even in Frank Miller world, right? Um, I think so. But the point is, is that the thing about Miller's is that once he got into that Sin City mode where everything was over the top, he when he went back to doing the comic books, he was it, it, that's what he did as well. Everything yeah. was over the top. Yeah. He just keeps on escalating to the point where it's like it's senseless and it's predictable. Um. It's like okay, yeah. I mean, it's the one last thing, to- thing I got month to month was when he did three hundred, and I got it, and I remember it being gorgeous. And once it was over, I read it like back to back in like a half hour, and I was like, "Wow, that's a lot of." Fl-. It was fluffy. It was beautiful to look at, but ultimately fluffy. Which I thought the movie was the perfect adaptation because I thought the movie was the same thing. But I was just really disappointed because I remember when it was a big deal when, you know, I remember the big deal Ronin was. Remember Ronin? Oh, yeah. You know, when that came out. and uh, On Baxter paper. Yes, and and I ordered that from Lone Star, too. And Ronin was a big disappointment for a lot of people, but I really liked it because I thought it was sort of like Frank Miller graduating into sort of a heavy metal and the story was bizarre, you know. It was this bizarre time travel, you know, weird whole thing. And I really liked it. It was totally different from Daredevil, you know. He was doing something different, and it was exciting to see what he was going to come up with next. And right. Sin City was exciting when it first came out. Yeah, Hard Boiled was crazy. <laughs> and, he, and he did some RoboCop comics that I, I seem to recall were pretty good, you know, that he wrote. And... uh I think he, I think he might have done some, ter- not Terminator. No, no, maybe it was just RoboCop. I'm not sure, but um, I think it was just RoboCop. But um, yeah, but didn't uh, he do Uncle Sam too? I thought Uncle Sam was um, Alex Ross, wasn't it? Oh yeah, it was. You're right. Oh, he did Martha. Martha Washington. Martha Washington. That was good too. That was really good. I don't I haven't read any of the other ones, but the original like Martha Washington story I thought was great and yeah. still prescient. A lot right. of the stuff that happened in the Martha Wa- the original Martha Washington I think could still happen. 
sure. the, his depiction of the future was uh, was very okay. very good, <laughs> and and uh, the character of Martha Washington was really cool too, you know. And it was a, and it was oddly enough in a Frank Miller story, she was not uh, like sex bomb, you know. She was not like uh, you know femme fatale she was a she fight. was Martha Washington yeah she was a she was a tough as nails street smart you know from the worst you know black lady from the worst ghetto you know from like right I was gonna say the ghetto on crack but that's a little redundant but like <laughs> the, a super ghetto of the future you know where like an enforced <laughs> ghetto of the future so she's just she's just tough as hell and like extremely intelligent and common sense very unlike you know not a not a wisecracker or anything like that she's almost like you know a quintessential marine right and uh yeah that was a i forgot about that that was great yeah i i didn't get that one i, I should because i but that was a I, long I, time ago man yeah long time ago man I still love that freaking cover from uh, Hard Boiled with the gunshot through the head. Through the head, looking through the yeah the, the hole in the head, which has been done to death in movies these days. But yeah, that was a that was a nice. I love that art too, man. That super detailed style of of art. Jeff Jeff Darrow. Yeah. Um, who, who Miller had a huge falling out with. Really. Yeah, you know the the guy in the first Sin City. Uh, who uh, who's a killer and they cut off his head that that head and oh. that face that was Jeff Darrow oh nice <laughs> awesome ah, I wonder who was the dick in that <laughs> in that fight oh, I wonder who was the one who was uh, probably being unreasonable in there not to I don't know I've never met Frank Miller I just imagine he's apparently he's really God. nice I had a girl that huh? I went to college with Min, I'm not sure if you remember her. It's really cute, short. She's, uh, a, she's a very beautiful, short Asian girl. Right. Who I imagine, if I was Frank Miller, I would be very nice to also. Frank Miller, who might also maybe have a flavor for the Asian girls too, judging by yeah. his content in his comics. You think? Yeah, yeah, you know. I mean, I always take, you know, when... when 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 pretty girls like tell me they met somebody and they're like, oh no, he was really nice. He went out of his way to like bought me dinner and everything. Great guy. And you sort of wonder if maybe it would be the same situation if old Johnny Bueno showed up. Like, hey, <laughs> how you doing? Want to hang out? <laughs> yeah, uh, he'd be paying, giving me money to get get away from him. <laughs> I know if Min, I know if Min showed up and asked me if I wanted to hang out, I'd be hanging out. You know. I know. <laughs> Uh, Min, I forgot about Min. How could I have forgotten about Min? <laughs> Min, if you're listening, which you definitely are not. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> There's no way in hell. <laughs> oh my god! All right, well that about does it for what I gotta say about Daredevil 181. I would agree with that. I'm I'm assuming most everybody's read it, and if you haven't, get off your ass and reading it. And right. Get off your ass and read it, and I'll get off my ass and work on my fucking English. Um, 
I, I think you mentioned to me the other day you've been to a few comic shops lately. Any new, I, new comic I shops? I have. Or? I have been. And uh, actually, there's a good chance I might be uh, heading out a couple uh, other places as well. Um, oh, man, that's a whole other story whatsoever. I'm, I'm, I'm planning my whole trip down to visit Scott in um, December. And what I'm going to do... Um, um, and I will, when the time comes and I figure out when I'm traveling, I'll put up an itinerary in case anybody who's listening wants to come visit me at a bus station somewhere in between. But I'm going to do something. I'm going to buy a month-long bus pass. I'm just going to buy a pass for somewhere in the beginning of December, somewhere to a little into the new year. And then I'm just going to sort of... I'm going to head down. I'm visiting someone in Georgia right now near Athens, and then I'm heading down to see Scott, and I'm going to visit somebody for a day in Daytona Beach. But, uh, yeah, I'll just be bumping around Greyhound, so anywhere Greyhound goes, I'll be there. So if anybody has any good ideas where I should go in that general vicinity, I, you know, I won't be making it out into the Midwest or anything. I'll be making it into the Florida, Georgia Southeast that, in the area. winter, plenty of good citrus that time of year. Well, well I'm gl- I'm you know I'm glad I sort of planned my trip for for that. It'll be nice to be in Florida at that time of year because it's pretty fucking cold up here. You was, and by that time <laughs> Scott will be a full monorail pilot, and <laughs> I will be going to Disney World for the first time, which is which. It's funny because most people don't know what a, I, I I mean it's a big deal to Scott because he's just been, he loves Disney World and you know we've been waiting to go hang out and you know we'll go to hang out but for people who in Rochester who've known me for years they know I wrote a rock opera about about Disney World or m- more about Walt Disney but Disney World uh and how evil he is <laughs> but, well no he how isn't evil, evil he was he's no well uh, no Walt Disney's actually portrayed in my rock opera as being very idealistic and which is funny because you know I think I portray Disney as being more good intentioned in my story than maybe he actually was he might have been a little more of a tough as nails businessman in real life than he was you know I mean, I'm not an expert yeah, on. I, 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 I'm not an expert on Disney. I just wrote a, a stupid rock opera about him. But what happens is, once he, once he dies, that's when things go south. His quote-unquote, you know, it's very, it's not based on fact at all, and it's really not as much like, it's not as much of a condemnation of Disney as a condemnation of society as a whole at large. <laughs> it's really just a good way to like slap you know 35 minutes of songs together and it it was really my way of ripping on all the like dark side of the moon and tommy and stuff there's little references to all that but like yeah everybody here has been waiting they're like oh man you gotta go to disney world now you know you've talked all this shit about it and i can't wait i cannot wait all my life actually i've wanted to literally see the haunted mansion that's the like Scott already asked me like what's the one thing you know in in Disney World that you're you're going to go you know that you want to see and you know from my childhood the first thing from childhood that like 
thinking as a peer of my kitty friends, the first thing would be Space Mountain. Because that's what everybody who ever went to Disney World would come back with was like, oh my god, Space Mountain, blah, blah, blah. So in my mind, Space Mountain is this insane thing. But, you know, the whole haunted, the whole, you know, the haunted mansion just sounds really cool. And it sounds, I love, like, simulated, just a simulated environment. You know, it's not a roller coaster. It's you're just going through a simulated haunted house. It's not even a real, like, things jumping out at you and going boo. You're, it's like you're riding through a virtual reality sort of thing. And I can't wait to see that. That's... But, uh, yeah, I'm going to get to see all the... A bunch of comic shops. And maybe if I hear some... With this pass, hey, I could just like if I'm in a town where somebody's told me there's a really good comic shop, I could go there. You know, I could hop in a cab or on a bus and you know. Or you could you can just do like I do. I go to uh, I'll I have just my... go Google and comic shop locator. Right, exactly, just... exactly. Well, well, yeah, and I'll have my and and I'll have my computer there, so I could just yeah go go Google and head over. So. You know, since I have the, I, I figured since I was plotting out an itinerary and getting stressed out about it, because you know I don't know if anybody's ridden Greyhound, but it's a pain in the ass, and a lot of times things will, you know, get clogged up at one certain part, and you know, and when I was in Florida, there's somebody I wanted to visit in another part, and it's like, okay, well if I buy one of, the, you know, it's all these steps on the itinerary and. Finally, I was just like, you know what? Screw it. It's like 50 bucks more. And basically, I, I'll just have this one ticket that I can just go to a Greyhound within that time period and go, I want to go here and get on the bus and go there. Whichever bus is going at whatever time, you know, I don't have to catch the 213 bus at this. I can catch any bus that's going out of there, basically. So so I've, uh, I'll just be able to roam free. Yeah. I'd love to at some point talk, sit down and talk with Scott. I got a whole bunch of these these books that were came out in the seventies around Disney, and they were um, they are beautiful coffee table books about, and they um, have a whole bunch of the original uh, comic strips. And some like Carl Barks sort of stuff. Yeah, there's there's four there's five different books. And I have four of them, but I have the four of them that are characters. There's a Mickey Mouse one, there's a Goofy one, there's an Uncle Scrooge, and there's a Donald Duck. And they're just these beautiful, they're like two feet tall, they're like leather covers with just, oh, just amazing. But the comic strips from back in the late 30s and all that, and they have like articles in between where they talk about Floyd Godfredson, who did all the drawing, and Carl Barks, and their relationship with Walt Disney, and their stories, and their, you know, their, just their career at Disney. It's just freaking phenomenal. I think Scott would, you know, we're talking serious pants tent here. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm I mean, to think, you know, I don't really think I spotted any of those when I was at his house. He did have some nice Disney books when I was there, you know, yeah. it's funny because when we were in high school, you know, he used to, you know, if you were to tell him you're going to be a Disney fanatic someday, he would have been just like, ah. <laughs> you got to be fucking kidding me. Yeah. And, uh, although, 
it you know it fits right in with his personality so you know but did you see the uh, family guy where uh, Brian and Stewie are going to the different realities and they go into the Disney reality no oh I haven't it's seen, great I haven't it's... seen family guy in a long time I have to almost actively fi- you know it used when I had a TV you know sometimes I'd be watching TV and all of a sudden family guy would come on and it would remind me oh yeah watch family guy or, or you know and uh Cartoon Network would run them like two days after a new show right. would come on Fox. It would come on Cartoon Network. Right, the following week. So and and yeah, and I used to watch a lot of the Cartoon Network, and that's the only thing that that the Daily Show and the Colbert Report. I used to watch those all the time. I don't watch those anymore. And Fox and Friends in the morning, which was right. my number one entertainment, your your number one free entertainment for your dollar bargain on TV for, for if you're a perverse motherfucker like me well yeah I, I used never... to love watching that show it was just like just one uh, yeah slow motion train wreck style uh, and, you know and you, it's you not knew the what you were gonna get and it was it was always consistent well that, the thing is it's it's not something that I can download and watch it's it's like you know it's you don't download and watch the today show you know it's the fox version of the today show so right. it's you know it's got all that attached to it so um yeah i just don't watch it anymore now that i have a tv and just as a i know there's a million podcasts about the walking dead but i just want to get a little bit of gloat in here that for the last two years, Scott and I have been saying if this thing ever gets on TV, it'll be the biggest thing since sliced bread. And guess what? It is. It's like the highest rated um, cable series ever. It, it, they, they just signed it for 13 more episodes. Nice. So, so the the response, you know, grand, little old grandmothers are talking about it in the grocery store, and I couldn't be happier. <laughs> and I... And, and Scott and I called that shit, man. We've been calling it for at least the last year and a half. So, and yeah. as soon as they said this was going to be a TV show, I said, "Watch out, man!" When this, when this, just on the strength of, and I mean, we sound like such kiss asses when we're on usually, and it's usually in Comics Monthly Monday where we're talking about Walking Dead, and we're just sounds like we're just like, you know, cleaning, um, Kirkman's, you know, bloated comic creator body off with our tongues like collie dogs you know maybe so he'll do a an interview with us or something but really you know I just I haven't seen finer writing in a comic book in a long time and now that it's being translated accurately onto TV you know I recognized it not just as good comic book writing and not just as good writing for a zombie story but just good good ass writing and yeah yeah that's kind of what made Frank Miller's Daredevil the first time around so good because it really was good writing yeah yeah so people were thinking that you had a comic book that had writing art story character it was all on to depths that it hadn't been before and it was all working where you know, most of the time you were going to get one or the other or some little combination. You didn't get everything, you know. It was like, well, you might get some good writing, but, you know, you have some terrible, terrible art or a lot of times it was terrible art and terrible writing. 
Right. Bastards. Anyway, didn't I ask you? I asked you about comic shops, and then I started talking about my trip. Yeah. You like how I do that? I'm not even drinking energy drink tonight. <laughs> it's all the sugar in this peach soda. Yeah. Well, the comic shops are cool. I was out in California a couple uh, last month, and uh, it's funny because I was uh, Northern California, and I've actually talked about one of those comic shops before. I talked before you know, my favorite comic shop of all time, mm-hmm. Doctor Comics and Mister Games, on Piedmont Street in Oakland. I heard you just like camped out there last time you went there. I did. I spent. I got there and I camped out for like two hours. I just freaking, and you know, it's funny because the guy who works in the back there, his name is Jack, like myself. And, you know, if you work in a comic shop, that's enough, a weird you, last name. Yeah. Okay, well, it's um, like myself. Is it like the Mayhoffs? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So, anyways, um, but he recognized me, so it was it was it was fun to see how the shop was was it was an interesting place. But I uh, picked up a lot of really cool books there, um, including a nice small stack of Veronica number two hundred two. Are you familiar with that? Did you say Veronica or erotica? Veronica, Veronica, as in Betty and Veronica. Oh, where they have the very first appearance of a gay character in an Archie comic. Oh, oh, it's a recent one. Yeah, it came well, out a couple months ago. It's the yeah, first well, Archie comic that they've ever reprinted. Well, They're just for, reprint. for, for you and the listeners' benefit, you can listen to our last Star Trek Star Trek Monthly Monday this month had Paul Kupperberg on it, who, was, who had written... We had him on because he was the writer of the Star Trek DC comic from the 80s that we had on there. But he's working on that, that title right now. He's working on the on the Archie comics right now. And he's sort of, he's been involved in, I guess they're r- r- running t- a dual storyline thing now with one where Archie met, yeah. married Betty and one where he married Veronica. Oh, uh, that was last year. Was that last year? Yeah. And he, I think that might be where he got involved with it, but that's what he's doing. That was what he was plugging right now were Archie comics. Yeah. And you know, that, that storyline got me, into collecting and reading Archie's and paying attention to them, and they've done a nice job, I think, in the last couple, the last year or so, as far as the art and the stories. Um, it's been kind of cool. Well, what was weird is he was seemed kind of, I don't want to say sheepish about mentioning that it was Archie or something, but it was like he was like, I don't know if you've, you know, you heard or whatever, but uh, there's still Archie comics, and it's like, yeah, I've heard about it. As a matter of fact, you know. It's like one of the only things about comics that doesn't have to do with a movie that you've seen in the news lately, you know, because there's been a marriage and gay characters and stuff like that. You know, Archie's back on the radar now. Yeah. And really, and, and like what Scott has been in, like Michael Bailey and Scott talk about it a lot. I've been in on some of the conversations too, but about the need for getting new if comics are to survive you got to get kids you, you know you got to get some sort of joe camel that hooks in the kids you know right and so basically that puts this guy like you know he's kind of on the archie archie's a 
a great place to start for getting kids into comics. I mean, what Archie comics have been around what, like sixty years, eighty years, or something? Sixty years. Um, he like started like in the thirties, so right. over so, seventy. Yeah, so you know, I mean, obviously, obviously, there's something about it that appeals to little kids, you know, and. Like, when I was growing up, that was what girls usually had in their room, were Archie's. You know, the guys would have, like, Iron Man and House of Horror and stuff like that. And the girls would have right. Archie's and and some old, like, love comics maybe that they'd gotten from the, you know, a box down in the basement or something. And Disney stuff. But, well, it's kind of cool because a couple months ago, right after the Archie marries the uh, Archie marries Betty and Archie marries Veronica... Which, by the way, they're going to be continuing into an ongoing series as an alternate reality. The two different... Yeah, that's what he was saying. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, right after that, they had this cool little two or three-parter of, uh, of the art, the band, the Archies, and Josie and the Pussycats going on tour together. Yeah, and didn't Archie, like, cheat? With Josie or something, he like made out. Oh well, yeah, with... no, he ended up making out with uh, Valerie. Valerie, the, the... that's right. Ooh, the... even interracial, like yeah, a, like a Kirk it was Uhura on the front. Smooch. Yeah, Archie's kissing Valerie on the front cover of the Archie comic. It's like, man, and I'm surprised. I was so surprised. Well, that the scandal could... is that he isn't kissing. Isn't that he's kissing a black girl, but that he's cheating on either Betty, Betty or Veronica. Veronica. I don't know which one it is in that right. storyline. Right, but and to me, cheating. it was it made so much sense compared to like Cheryl Blossom. You know, he's they're friends with the Pussycats. Would he first, be getting some? Well, my first thought is Archie isn't supposed to cheat. He's supposed to be the all-American boy, but Archie is kind of a player. He's Archie's always been, always been a yeah. player. And that's why the whole buck tooth and the sheepish grin and front, yeah. you know, he, you know, he's definitely that. And he, but at the same time, he's a freckle faced kid. You know, you think they'll do a Archie has a illegitimate child storyline? That would be awesome. I was thinking it'd be better. Archie has VD. Ooh. <laughs> Archie gets a social disease. I like uh. it. <laughs> Archie gets the clap. <laughs> Does that even work nowadays, or do only old people like us know like the? Do our people are like all these kids out there going, "What the clap, clap on, clap off? What the hell are they talking what, about?" You mean those big things, you know, like the 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 paddle that claps together? Yeah, man, man, I went out and I bought a lid of weed, and I smoked the whole lid, and I went out and got the clap. And I, <laughs> and all, what? Uh, <laughs> you sound just like the guy who approached me. You got me in the, stoned and you couldn't turn your light off? I I don't understand. You sound just like the guy who approached me in the grocery store. Tell me, ask me where the Coca-Cola's line, where the aisle of the Coca-Cola was. I'm hey, dude, like, I'm not a beggar or anything. <laughs> he looked I'm just, just wondering like where the Coca-Cola is, dude. I, like, turned around. I was like, ah, oh, there he is right there. It's just... <laughs> You know, this little short-looking, scraggly guy. Um, you know, man, the Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> Got any, dude? Casey Jones. You want Casey Jones, watch your speed, dude. You know what I'm saying? You're cool, aren't you, dude? Uh, what is it with the stinky hippies, like, always trying to make a deal with you? 
Dude, right on, right on, dude. Now they just hold signs. <laughs> we'll work, I'll work for you if you give me food. Dude, just give me some food. As long as it's like mung beans, I'll eat whatever, dude. You got any like bulgur rice? I'll eat some of that bulgur rice with a little like sea salt on it, dude. You don't have to put nothing on it. I don't know why I want to be hippie guy now. It's because I was, there's a friend of mine sent me to this website called everythingisterrible.com. I saw that. It's awesome. Yeah, Mark probably, you were probably in on the list of it. It's and I and and I sort of bypassed the website and found their YouTube site where they just keep all their videos and I was watching it and they ha- actually had a week it's a blog and they collect all these old 80s videotapes of you know just terrible like terrible shit like you know stand up comedians or instructional videos but they find some horrible bizarre Creepy, you know, just awesome stuff. And you mean like the Jane clips. Fonda workout while you're pregnant tape? S- stuff like <laughs> that, but really, like, some really creepy shit. And, and fu- it's hilarious. But um, one, they had a week called Boring Week. And they had one video that it was just a bunch of old ladies playing, you know, playing cards. And they were talking about... Just you know, their their sicknesses and and stuff. It was selling something, but you don't really know because they were cutting between that and some just jam band playing in a bar. And they're not like a hor- They're not like an inept jab- jam band. They're just really mild and like jazzy, and <laughs> and and it's cutting like. 15 seconds of this jam band where you see the jam band but they're leaving the music under it and then the old lady's talking about well Stella said that blah 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 this inane chatter bingo night and then you realize that they've struck this perfect tone between how mild the old lady's talking are and how mild the jam band music is it's I don't know there's this zen like brilliance to it of of just like and that sort of maybe put me into that, like, granola annoying, like, dude. Okay. Speaking of uh, hippies, the uh, other oh, San I'm Francisco I'm going to be a hippie comic. from now on, dude, since you're talking <laughs> about San Francisco. Well, actually, it was uh, in Concord, California. And that right was fly- Flying Colors Comics. Right and on, I went dude. there That's the a following town. night. And that was another awesome, awesome shop. I've been there a couple times before. Um, Dude, I went in there, but they kicked me out because they said I smell like tuna fish. I'm not surprised. I'm a vegan, though, dude. (laughs) What the fuck? Well, I was going to suggest for you to go to the Baskin Robbins, which is in the same plaza, but uh, I guess not. Yo, Baskin Robbins! So... But one thing that was, I mean, <laughs> you, t- you told me not to talk about comic shops that I didn't like. But I don't man. care. Did I? No, go for it. Man. Yeah, you told me when we first started. You're like, you know, you know, you want to give good reviews. Yeah, Let's don't talk positive. about the ones that. Yeah. Yeah, be positive. It's like, well, I don't well, say that Chris it, is dead now. Yeah. <laughs> Very disappointed. I was uh, out uh, in Antioch, California, and I went to this place called Cosmic Slop Comics. 
Dude, I've been there. I'm sure you have. Dude, it's <laughs> awesome there. Yep. Dude, they let me sleep for like three days in the bathroom there. They're cool. No, they wouldn't. Because <laughs> he would have Oh, that's right, dude. Yet. They don't have a bathroom. <laughs> exactly. They don't. I mean, basically, it's like a, a head shop and a porn you know, porn shop. Right on. With, with like stacks and stacks of bagged and boarded 50 cent comics that are overpriced just all over the place cl cluttering the whole freaking place and uh dude, man, right I, was like, I thought <laughs> for sure yeah. oh, I'd find like, me, a, like an old box in the corner with all sorts of like old undergrounds that yeah. no one's paying attention Wrong. some of them nudie books <laughs> oh yeah nudie books but they weren't the nudie books that I was looking for right on just, Anyways, but so, you know, thumbs good down trip. on cosmic slop. Very down on the cosmic slop. It sounded like like when you were talking about it before. It sounded like it was hardly a comic shop at all. It was just sort it of. It used to be, but you know, he wasn't making any money on it, yeah. trying to sell it out of his shop. So right, right. They're making he's... all their money on bongs and dildos, probably. Right. Which you know, bongs nothing... and dildos. Yeah, this is the first comic shop I think that we've. Uh, they did have bongs there, right? Yeah. So yeah, I think this is the first comic shop we've had on the show, dude. That's, dude. That's had bongs and dildos in it. Yep. And unfortunately, it's a, it's a, it's a thumbs down. But I just want to say, it doesn't get a thumbs down for having bongs and dildos. And not for nothing, but you know. It has lots of comics in there. I'm sure there's a couple of them that you could enjoy. It had lots of Simpson comics in there. Hmm. I like them Simpson comics. Yeah. They're up I in the 200s now, aren't they? Or something yeah, like they're that? They're getting close. Yeah, because I, I got them up to number 100. I'm missing a few, actually. I thought I had them all, but I'm missing like two or three. I got to... I gotta figure out what those are and get the. I I like those. They were starting to go a little downhill at around, after a hundred, so that's why I sort of, when right. the when that Bart when the Bart Simpson comics came out, and they were like kitty versions of the Simpsons. Right. And I picked up the first couple and I was like, oh, okay, these are kitty. I won't be getting these. But I noticed at that point the art was starting to go downhill a lot of the times in them. So now and, I always pick up anything. If there's ever going to be anything that's uh, Radioactive Man, I'm down for it. I've been picking up Comic Book Guy. And I get the uh, I get the um, Treehouses of Horror every year, too. To I collect them all. That's, that's, you want to talk about Comic Monthly Monday, I collect them all. I will say this. You get Futurama, too? Course. I was getting future. I really, the, I thought the when Futurama first started coming out, those comics I thought were really like, like better drawn and better written than the Simpsons comic. They, they were, were. They were. They were actually. They were kind of pressing the medium in certain instances. They were doing, uh, you know, they were doing double stories, and mm -hmm. you had to read one story forward and one story backwards. And yeah, they they were being. They, <laughs> They were being like the TV show. They were being very. They were playing the nerd appeal without being condescending, but at the same time, totally lampooning it. But the thing is, only a nerd's going to get all the humor of Futurama. Right. You know, it's just you know a playground of nerd references. I gotta say this: I'm really disappointed in the comic book guy series. I mean, five issue limited series. Well, the and thing about it is, the comic book guy is is a limited 
appeal character, so maybe it's best to keep him <laughs> out of the picture as much and focus on just sort of his effect. But, yeah, but you yeah, know what? I, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it has... It's, it's, I, I'm, I've got the first three of them, or the first four, or however. I've got however many have come Number out. Number five so just came out, so oh, of I course he comes. And it just came out this week. I flipped through it. I haven't read it yet. But, uh, you know, the fact that Comic Book Guy is not in issues two, three, and four of uh, the Comic Book Guy limited series. Oh, it's, no it's way. It's fine by me, but it's just the same sort of collection of Homer, Krusty, Bar- you know. It's like they divide... Uh, that's what I was... I was sort of getting sick of the comics because they would divide it up into, like, everybody had their kind of jokes, you know, and stories, you know, and so it would go along and you'd have to throw Krusty in, and, and so Krusty would come in and do the, the you know, the, the needed Krusty joke, and it was all getting formulaic, which The Simpsons is formulaic too, but it was it just wasn't as funny as... And, and yeah, and this comic book guy sort of reminds me of that. I wish there would be more Radioactive Man, because every Radioactive Man comic that they've put out has been pure gold. Well, now they, have do, missed, they do I the superhero have... stuff with Super Simpsons Spectacular. Oh, do they? Yeah, that's what they do now. Oh, I have to get those then. Yeah, they come out twice a year. Oh, I have to get those. They lighten them up where they don't just do Radioactive Man, but they do... um, Sometimes they'll do Pie Man, they'll do Bart Man. They'll do all that stuff. Stretch Dude and Clobber Girl are in there quite a bit. I was was with Simpsons Comic back. I got Simpsons Comics and Stories number zero. Nice. It came with, like, some comic magazine. Yeah, did you know that... uh, well, before, well, that was uh, that was like the bridge because originally, The Simpsons in publication started off as a magazine, Simpsons Illustrated. Right, right. And that started in I think in ninety or ninety one. That was ninety one to ninety three. They did those. It wasn't as much of a comic as it had comics in it, but it, it was had comics in it. Sort of like a fanzine, sort of fit, you know, like a official. Yeah. Those things are hard to come by. Oh, I'll bet. I have well, most you know, of them. I mean, you know, it's just amazing how long the you know, the Simpsons are still on the air in their original stuff. Right? They're 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 well over 20 years old now. So That's the 21st season. Right. So literally like merchandise from the fir- li- literally stuff from the first couple years of Simpsons is now like antique. Definitely vintage, but twenty years. Once stuff's twenty years old, you can you can legitimately start saying this is an antique. So there's like literally vintage and antique Simpsons stuff out there. That's crazy, and they're still on the air. Yep. Yep. And Scott doesn't like them. (laughs) You know, can't like everything, I guess. But it, you know, it, but you know, his he could change his mind someday, and someday he might catch the Simpsons bug, and then he's he'll have twenty. He's gonna have twenty right seasons Simpsons. of of. And the great thing about the Simpsons is, is if you decide that you do want to start watching the Simpsons, you don't have to go in order. No, you know, you could just watch them randomly. You know, you could just you could pick it up at any point, 
and and stuff. It's sort of better to start at the beginning because the speed of them picks up and the of the jokes, so you would sort of more naturally ride into it instead of being like, "Wow, these old episodes are sure slow paced." Yeah, I always suggest to people that they start with season two. Not so much season one, but seasons two, three, four, and five that really hit their stride. Well, like you know? when, like the first two seasons of Simpsons and the first two seasons of South Park are so iconic. You know, every episode was so like eagerly awaited and talked about when it came out. You know, yep. I mean, you had Simpsons, you had Seinfeld, and you know, all that stuff was just it was just pure. You know crack waiting you know people were just eating it up smoking it up man smoking it up dude when 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 that happened and yeah I, I i remember that people were very excited i'm hoping that's what well you know i was gonna say there's been nothing like it but family guys reached its own sort of success in that on a, on a lesser level um, oh, family! Uh, there's a lot of people who prefer watching Family Guy and stopped watching The Simpsons a long time ago. Right. I know the, a lot the, of the Simpsons are nice now compared to Family Guy. You know, Family Guy. Right. Got, got, I mean, The Simpsons used to be the show that was like edgy. You know, people right. were shocked by what are they going to do next? Who are they going to lampoon? Right. And then South Park came out, and, and you know, South Park's teeth just you know made Simpsons look like you know Ozzy and Harriet. And then Family Guy had to up the ante once more. And, you know, Family Guy's, you know, up the ante to the point of almost being shocking, like, you know, like a, like a fucking um, snuff film or something, you know. They, it's gotten that way sometimes. Oh, oh I, I, I'll, I'll tell you. And it's really funny. And, and uh, our, it's funny that nobody else knows this guy, but there's a mutual friend of ours, Mr. Motley, right? Not the most sensitive guy in the world, right? He was traumatized by the first episode of Family Guy he watched. And it was one scene in it. And and the same scene when I watched it, I watched it and I was like, that's fucking hardcore, man. And the way it was portrayed was truly disturbing and like, like gut-wrenching. And that was... It had, you know, Elmer Fudd walking through the forest going, shh, be very quiet, I'm hunting wabbit. Oh, yeah. And, do, 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 and then Bugs Bunny shows up, and, and he's like, hey, what's up, Doc? And Elmer Fudd just shoots him in the chest. And he's yeah. like, ah, bleeding, and he falls on the ground, and he's, like, screaming, and Elmer Fudd just calmly walks over and snaps his neck. <laughs> starts starts dragging him off. <laughs> yeah, just I've cold, seen that Coldly episode. and efficiently. And uh, like a real hunter, you know, it's a, it's that's what just what a real hunter would do, and it, and it was, sh- it was shocking, you know, it was just like, oh man, <laughs> that is fucking cold blooded, and the way it's portrayed is just horrifying. Yeah, so that's yeah, the ante has been been upped and upped, and now if you watch like Cartoon Network and stuff like Super Jail, have you ever seen Super Jail? No, highly recommend it. I remember I've written Blood it down bass. twice. I've written it down twice. I think I've flipped across it once, but yeah, it's. I think there's only like ten episodes, and they're all like fifteen minutes long. And right. uh, uh, yeah, it just uh, yeah, it's that's another one up in the ante. Speaking of up in the ante, there's a new uh, Johnny Ryan book out. 
Oh, really? Yes. I haven't seen it. I haven't gotten a Johnny Ryan book in a long time. I have to go. To, maybe I'll go to the comic shop tomorrow. It's supposed to be beautiful here. Maybe I'll take a little bike ride into my... I have two LCSs to show up. I show off. Show. Show. Show up at. <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll stop at the one one on Park Avenue, and I'll probably pick up the new comic book guy there, and then I'll head into... Uh, into my normal LCS. You should check out uh, his new book. is called Prison Pit. Book Johnny two. Ryan. Yeah, that's what I'm going at. That's what I'm going to my LCS for. I know he'll have it there. He always gets all that. The Johnny. Well, this Ryan isn't stuff. a com- This is like a graphic novel, what? and it's it's com- it's part two. There's two parts. Part one came out. Book one came out last year, and book two just came out, and it is. I can't even describe it. I yeah. <laughs> it's nothing like you've ever seen before. Really? No. Is it as tasteless as this stuff usually is? It is, but it's all pure gore, and it's like this alien guy on this alien world, just basically, oh, <laughs> going to war and like fighting people and. Just all sorts of stuff. People eating each other's shit and gestations and, you know, hands growing out of people's, or like little reptile creatures growing out of people's hands and shit. It's just fucked up. Yeah, it's, well, he, he he's one of those, like, of the d- deranged 12-year-old style. Oh, it was completely. like when me and my friends were 12 years old and we're like, oh, and then exactly, the nun yeah. takes the baby and eats and eats it and then throws it like a football and then the dog catches it and runs out, you know, and then he poops it out and there's poop, you know. And the, the, the best compliment I could give to this book one and book two is that it's, <laughs> it goes really well and a company is a really nice long shit. <laughs> it's about the length of a of a good, good yes. long dump. Yes. yes. So if you had barbecue the night before, Johnny Ryan's graphic you know, novel is You know, when you sit the on the day. can for so long, it's just to the point where your legs start to fall asleep. That's... <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do know what you're saying. <laughs> I have been there. Where you get up from the toilet and you feel like a giant. You feel like a fucking crippled giant. Because your legs are like two poles made out of lead that you can't feel. That and you're like walking, yeah. around, you're walking around like fucking James Arness in the original version of The Thing. Just shambling and like trying to pull up your pants without falling down. Yeah, something, yeah I've been there. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's why that... That's why I like the the Walking Dead are the perfect like medium shit comic myself. Like Yeah. I hear you. So well, you know, I can't help but talk about the potty when you start talking about Johnny Ryan. Well that might be that might be a new way of gauging comic like the length <laughs> you know, like people get like can give a star system rating to the art or the writing and stuff. Maybe we This is a good like, ten minute is, shit. Yeah, well we'll tell how long the comic is 
how long it takes to read by like a turdometer, you know, the, the longer the tur- the more links in the turd, you know, the, <laughs> the longer the comic is. Whereas something like Watchmen, Watchmen is like, you know, a full constipated week or something, you know, like. And and three hundred is like you got the you got the green apple quick step from some some bad chili, you know, and <laughs> it's just a sit and squirt. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> I think that should. Turtometer. Yes. It, well, you know, I'm not going to do it, but I know, and I know somebody's going to do it anyway. <laughs> but just, I, I'm sure if somebody, I'm sure if there's a, if a Google search is made for turtometer, there'll be a rich <laughs> wealth of turtometers out there. Some of which might be very funny. Some of which might be very disturbing. But. I'm willing to bet we we can't be the first people to have thought of the turtometer. Maybe that use for a turtometer, but well, yeah. There's actually it looks like there's a what's to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking right now. Looks like a movie. Oh, it's now it's a rating system. <laughs> of movies. course it is. For is movies. it movies? Yeah. yeah. Bad movies. Yeah. But it's not for the length of time it takes to read a comic book. Nope. Alien Visitor got two out of four turds on the turtometer. Ooh. So so four turds are the most turds of all? I guess. But they're rather large. I, mean, <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> Do they have stink lines coming out of them? Um, of them? Flies? You know, no, nothing Corn? like that. <laughs> Although the ones, the one it's like the, the two that are silhouetted that are not lit up, uh huh. They 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 look kind of phallic. Ooh. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I are... can't really tell if it's steam or there's some sort of tail on them. Uh. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's just the tag end of a turd. <laughs> See, I like yeah. I I I think all turds should be accompanied with with squiggly stink lines coming off them and the occasional fly buzzing around them. That's that. I think that needs to be accompany all turd pictures to communicate the fact that turds stink. <laughs> right. But that's just me, Mr. Critic. Well, yeah, it's pretty funny here. I'm just Googling turd Critiquing the turd Yeah, here's one. Crappy news. You must check out the turd on Pet Butler's website. Not to believe. Full release below. Pet Butler sounds like a creepy, like old <laughs> guy that's like is like the the like weatherman for too long on some local, and now Pet Butler with the with the Doppler radar, and he's an old guy in like a Captain Kangaroo, you know, sort of colorful plaid suit and a toupee. Yep. Nice, a toupe. All right, well. It's just getting silly and all about poop now, so I think uh, it I think is time. I think it's, uh, we, it's time we go before we uh, bespoil the the great I Daredevil one eighty one comic. With but you know, hey, you could take this segment of the podcast as just sort of a a, a metaphor for Frank Miller's career. <laughs>
Welcome to the middle of Two True Freaks Comic Monthly Monday. This episode is brought to you by M. Sean Engel. Two True Freaks would like to thank Mr. Engel for mortgaging his home in order to buy this promotion. When he made the donation, he sent us this letter. This donation is for the Comics Monthly Monday podcast in particular. I cannot thank Scott and Chris enough for getting me interested in comics once again. I'm really thankful for the reviews of The Walking Dead, which has to be one of the best ongoing comics out today. Many podcasts have picked up Walking Dead fever since the AMC series was announced, but none have been able to cover the comics better than the two true freaks. Please keep up the excellent work, and I will keep listening. Sincerely, Sean Engel, also known as Joe Anthrax, from the Forum for Geeks. And remember, if you enjoyed this podcast, you have Mr. Engel to thank for it. And if you didn't enjoy this podcast, you can blame it all on Scott Gardner. I'm Chris Honeywell, returning you to the show. Hey, and after all that talk about poop in the last segment, you probably thought that was about the end of the show, but no, it was only the beginning. It's a (laughs) jumbo-sized Comic Monthly Monday, and now that I've flushed Johnny Bueno, I've brought in a a new co-host, Michael Bailey, (laughs) comic book genius. Comic book, oh God, you're doing that again. It's a I feel so uncomfortable. Man. I need an adult. I need an adult. <laughs> well, apparently on another podcast, my nickname is Professor Bailey. So Professor Bailey, I like that. Professor Bailey, yeah. It's it's the closest I'm ever going to get to academia. So I guess I should take it for what I can get it. Well, I was going to say, if we all ever get in a room together, we should all just get lab coats and we'll call each other doctor. <laughs> doctor, 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 doctor. <laughs> What the hell is that from? That's from that doctor movie that was a ripoff of the airplane movies, isn't it? That I can't. Is it that one, or was it Spies Like Us? It could have been. You know, I think you're. It was Spies Like Us. I think you are correct. Ask me how. Well, I love that movie. Which I really like that movie. Spies Like Us is freaking hilarious. (laughs) There's just probably like 50 people out there going, which obscure 80 movies, 80s movie are they talking about? I know it's got to be a reference to something in the 80s. Directed by Yoda. (laughs) Oh wow. Frank Oz directed Spies Like Us. Not a bad. He's not a bad director, man. Like I think um, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is a minor comedy masterpiece. Now, if we're going to talk about obscure '80s movies, we could talk about one that I came became aware of recently and need to see called Joystick. It, it, it's apparently yeah. I'm struck silent because something that's triggering off something in my head. What was that? What What was it? It, it seems to be a a teenage sex comedy from the '80s that involves like a a uh, video arcade that some guy played by Jodon Baker wants to shut down and a lot of bad stuff goes on there and it seems like there's a lot of nudity and stuff going on so yeah that sounds so, good <laughs> yeah I was about to say if, if <laughs> the adult in me likes the obscure pop pop culture from the 80s what's wrong sweetie but the kid in me <laughs> wants to remember what it was like to be in the 80s and to look at the squiggly lines. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was like, um, oh, they just don't make those sex comedies like they used to. But, yeah, I, I was thinking, as soon as you were, like, an arcade, I'm like, oh, it's an arcade where the video games make girls horny or yeah, something like that. You that know? seems to be the gist of the... They, they got the, this new game in there. We don't know where it came from, but every time we plug it in, all the ladies get hot. 
And oh, the senator's wife's in here. Uh oh. <laughs> it has a. Uh, I forget her name. Uh, but if you saw her, you'd know who she was. She was the one that fell in love with Bobcat Goldthwait in Police Academy 4. Uh, but to bring it back around to comics, she was a woman that was obsessed with the trickster in the last episode of The Flash. Uh, very attractive woman. Very attractive woman. She, she now plays mom roles. Um, which is fine by me, because I'm getting older too, so... <laughs> Mom rolls. <laughs> Mom rolls are awesome, dude. <laughs> well, we, we were watching. I was downstairs, and my roommate was watching one of those uh, CSI shows. Mm-hmm. And it had some. It had a Cougar Cruise, and you know the detectives were going on, but they had like their younger intern guy, and all the Cougar ladies were all over him. And that's when I had that old guy moment where I'm looking at the Cougars, going, "Man, I love Cougars." And then I'm like, "Wait, man, a Cougar for me is like 65 years old." Shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it that's is, it right. Is that... The cougars are my age. That's like women. I like women my own age. Wow, what? A, how amazing is that? <laughs> Shit. It's kind of how you know you, you you've gotten to a certain point in your life is when you see a mom and a daughter walking down the in the mall or at Walmart. You're attracted or... to both of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a friend who is the daughter is. <laughs> I I have a friend who is always looking. He called it the trifecta. He was looking for the like. You know, from where the daughter was, from, from like an 18-year-old and up daughter, mother and grandmother that were all like hot. There was no way this guy was going to get sex from anybody, so he might as well dream large, you know. <laughs> Shooting for the moon. I mean, he could he could pay, but he, there's no way he was going to ever pay enough for the for the trifecta. But, yeah, and I, and I wonder if I ever hooked up with like a, you know, 45-year-old lady, if I'd be like... Oh wow! You know, this is like, hey, pretend you're my teacher in class, and she'll be like, "What the hell?" You know, we're the same age. You know, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Call me Billy, and I'll wear this beanie. <laughs> this with a crab propeller? apple? I don't know. <laughs> crab apple. See, they can call it crabapple, but I say crab apple. My favorite Simpsons joke of all time, and it's so stupid, is. Where Marge is just like, so blah, 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 Mrs. Krabappel said, and Homer goes, wait, Krabappel? Oh, my God, all this time. I've been calling her by the wrong name. I've been calling her Miss Crandall. (laughs) Stupid. My favorite (laughs) Simpsons joke of all time. (laughs) But that's just because I remember the little rascals, you know, and 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 Mrs. Mrs. Krabappel, the teacher. Who was alternately could be an old crabby lady, or sometimes Miss Crabapple was like a hot young teacher, and all the students would get pissed because she would have a boyfriend. Yeah. Then again, I think Mary Poppins is like the height of hot. In every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. You find the fun, and snap! The job's a game! So. Uh, <laughs> and that Julie Andrews and that tight. British accent, nanny, accent. nanny wow. outfit. It's just like, yeah, that's. I don't know where why we've gotten off on this tangent, but <laughs> yeah. actually, that happened to me at work one day. From Cougar my, Cruises to Mary Poppins, my uh, guy I was working with, who was the, the department manager before he had to move to another store, is like, yeah, I was watching. He's from. I'm not even going to attempt to do the Australian accent, but he's like, he was like, I was watching. Um, I was watching Mary Poppins with my uh, with my daughter, 
I'm like, really? It's like, yeah, she had never seen it. I go, she's hot. And he got really quiet. Then he looked at me and said, I thought I was the only one that felt that way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure you're not. And then you got to think. Um, you know, you got to think of all the hor- horribly disgusting things that, that millions of people are into. So Mary Poppins, <laughs> she's got to have a huge following, you know. No, really, take a dump on my chest. It's what I want. There's people who want Rosie O'Donnell to take a dump on their chest. There are people who honestly want that and would probably pay for it and it would probably be the pinnacle of their lives, you know? Thousands, thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of people. Well, it goes to my theory that no matter what you're into, I don't care if it's stamp collecting, I don't care if it's Beanie Babies, I don't care if it's seeing fat people dress up like superheroes and having sex with each other, <laughs> there's somebody else that feels the same way. I don't necessarily like to see that, but I don't. I think I'd want to <laughs> see that at least once just oh, to God. say that I had. <laughs> On video, well. not in person. I wouldn't want to be in... Yeah, you know. I don't want to. That's, but there's that's people my, who would. That's a bridge too far for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I want to see everything involving Superman. I'm not seeing not that. everything. <laughs> I'm not seeing Baby Huey in a Superman outfit. Well, <laughs> I'm I'm perverse. I wouldn't enjoy it. I would take a long hot shower that wouldn't work, and you know, wouldn't make me feel clean. But I would be like, I. The, you, what you've got the you've. You've got the video here. Well, I, no, I don't. Well, yeah, put it on. <laughs> put it on. I got nothing better going on. Take it on. off. Take it off. <laughs> I mean, it was, I mean, uh, just, I was a nerd. So I, I, you know, I remember a time when me and my roommates would all sit around the computer screen in the old days of the computer and people would download videos and we'd pop them up and it, there would be poop involved or something. You'd have three people watching it going, whoa. God, and like seeing who could watch it the longest before you know someone would turn around. Now it's just like, oh, oh, that's horrible, and like <laughs> my <laughs> two girls, one cup, or whatever that was. I never got to see it because I really didn't want to. Actually, two girls, one cup was just you know that. I mean, that was all about the reaction videos. Yeah, you know, the 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 people and and and. It's got to say something about our culture when you would watch the reaction videos of, like, 14-year-old kids showing their grandmother two girls, one cup on a computer. Now, I don't know what your relationship with your grandmother is, but I can just about assume that... Could you imagine at 14 year old, 14 years old going, Hey, Grandma, come here. I want to show you something on the computer. Don't mind the camera setup. D- don't mind the camera setup. Check this out. <laughs> well... I don't believe in hell. <laughs> and I wouldn't do that. The thing is... Uh, maybe gosh. grandmothers these days... You know, maybe grandmothers these days... Two girls, one cup? Just say that Not my deal. grandmother. I, I remember when, when my grandfather died a couple of years ago, my, my uncle and his son went out to, to buy like a movie to watch because that's the big thing to do is we all like... Uh, we, uh, we, we, the Baileys like to watch films for one reason or another. I don't know what it is, but, um, they bought, what was that called? <laughs> um, 
Yeah, a history. You haven't seen that yet, have you? A history of violence. Yeah. No, I'm saving it. Okay. There's two rather uncomfortable sex scenes in that movie. Uncomfortable, right. like they're in the back seat of a, you know, uh, of a Volkswagen. Well, <sighs> <Sorry>. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Ben Affleck from yeah. All Rats. <laughs> um, no, like. 69ing each other at one point. God, this really took a dark turn. And uh, and then later in the film, they kind of do it on the stairs. And I don't want to watch that with my dad. Oh right, what yeah. What were they thinking? I mean, oh yeah, I, yeah. I have no problem watching that. But yeah, those were always those were always special family moments. Yeah. And uh, it's like Mama Gertie was in the other room. Yeah, that's what I want is is her to come out and see that right after she well, was yeah. saying goodbye to her husband. It was just like, what the hell is going on? And I left. Well, you're in a room full of people watching a movie like that, and all of a sudden the sound turns to like it sounds like a porno movie or something. You know, there's moans and stuff, and yeah. like yeah, that's very. I I, I remember watching um, The Hunger with my mother and my sister. You know. <laughs> Wow. And it came to this, you know, the Susan Sarandon lesbian scene, and that was quite a quite a um, uncomfortable moment for all. Kind of like when my mom, for whatever reason, when I was twelve years old, said, "Let's watch Deliverance." <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Did she probably had she ever seen Deliverance before? Oh Maybe yeah, like, she had oh, really? seen it when it first came out. Oh wow. I mean, I'm not kidding, and and I remember, I'll never forget, right after the scene where Ned Beatty gets his, um, which ended beautifully. Uh, Okay, let me back that statement up a minute. Um, Oh, gee. Oh, gee, Mr. Luthor. (laughs) Oh, Um, No, the best part of that is that they're about to make John Voight go down on a guy, and then in the corner, beautiful camera work, you see Burt Reynolds coming up with the bow drawn. Yeah, it's like, like the camera whips around and zooms. Yeah. And it's just, and and you like, okay, this is about to, okay, so <laughs> vindication, uh-huh. <laughs> revenge, and, and John Voice just like nodding his head like, you can do it. <laughs> and uh, okay, so all that's over, right? You know, I am 12 years old. I have just seen the first representation of a man raping another man, right? My mom's reaction? The first of he's, many. He, <laughs> he's probably going into shock right now. That's what your mother said? Yes. <laughs> oh, no, go, she, she took the clinical approach. Yeah, well, she was a nurse. <laughs> yes, oh, okay. Uh, I was like, what? Well, that really hurts. <coughs> so, yeah, he's probably oh, going no. into shock. No. <laughs> oh, my no. Mom. That was my mom. That was my mom. I loved her to death. <laughs> well, I remember I would stay at my grandfather's house, and he was one of the first people in town with HBO. And he was always deathly afraid of because my, my mom was very like you know off you know this you know R-rated movies are off limits unless we're going to be there and whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, and he probably you know he and my father they couldn't care less but you know so yeah, he would always have to call my mother alien, right? what's that wasn't your dad the one that took you to alien oh yeah to alien to stripes yeah oh he yeah. had no compunction of taking us to he would take me and a bunch of my little friends to go see alien <laughs> and uh so 
I remember watching a Clockwork Orange over there, and my parents said, "Yeah, he. It's a Stanley Cooper. It's from a really good. Yeah, okay. He can. You know, it was a classy movie. He can watch a Clockwork Orange. You know, and so." My grandfather's like, okay. Well, in my grandfather's mind, it was a documentary about Agent Orange. So the movie comes on, and he's sitting there. And my grandfather was a, a, a his last name was Berger, a very German, liked his beer. So by that time, he probably had like you know five or six beers, and you know smoking, you know, long, long ass cigarettes. And I just remember him looking at the screen, and it's like five minutes in, you know, and it's in the rape scene at the beginning of Clockwork Orange. <laughs> and he just looks at me and he goes. Wait a minute, this ain't no Agent Orange. <laughs> and I go, no, no, this is a fictional movie, Grandpa. <laughs> He's like, Let me call your mother and, and double check out. <laughs> well, we really didn't have much of an agenda when we were when you when you asked me to come on. And, no, uh, but the but the one thing I wanted to kind of talk about that uh, that I was thinking about, uh, I want to brag. Basically, I'm not gonna lie. Um. Yeah, my wife is in the other room watching Shira, so I've got Shira music playing in the background in nice. my head. This is a very surreal moment. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the um, the financial situation here at the Fortress of Baileytude has improved greatly over the last couple of months, and we're getting to the point where I can start buying stuff again. So I've been kind of hitting eBay because. Mm. On my days off, we really don't go out, and I don't want to subject my wife to the comic shop unless absolutely necessary, because she's very patient. Don't get me wrong. I love my wife to death, and she will go anywhere I want to go, but there's a difference between knowing that she'll go anywhere you want her to go and making her go there. Right, right. So... To me, you know, if I can find it on eBay, then I can do it from the safety of my own work or, or house. And, you know, it comes to me, which is always exciting because I'm still really excited to get mail. I shouldn't be, but I am. No, um, <laughs> that never gets old, man. It never gets old. So, but what I have found over the last couple of months is that if you're really smart about it, you can save a crap load of money. One of the things that I like to buy are trade paperbacks and hardcovers and collected editions of comic books. And, uh, you know, I'll eventually get around to reading them, but most of the time there's stuff that I already own in single issues. But when you get to a certain saturation point with comics, you don't want to dig through them. It, it loses its appeal when you just want to read an issue offhand. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, I got to go move a bunch of stuff to get to that. Uh -huh. So I get, so I, so I, you know, I started buying the Superman books. I started getting the trades as they were coming out. But what I've really gotten to like is uh, just buying collected editions of, of books and seeing how cheap I can get it. It's almost a game with me. And, like, I got a, a $15 J JLA World War III hard, uh, trade paperback, not, not a hardcover trade paperback, with shipping for, like, five bucks. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's just you, you just, you just have to sit on it. But the, yeah. the two things that I got Friday, they both ended on Friday. One was the Incredible Hulk Masterworks. Marvel last year started releasing their Masterworks line. Are you familiar with the Masterworks? Yes, I've, I've seen a bunch of them. Uh, my friend Johnny Bueno's got a ton of them, and I was over at his house eyeballing them. Yeah, well, they're like 50 bucks at this yeah. point. Some are even more expensive. 
uh, depending on if it's a character people give a crap about or if it's a little thicker because they got everything in there because there's nothing else to put out about that one character. So they started releasing soft covers at $25 a piece. And even that, I'm like, God, that's a lot of freaking money. Well, I got the Incredible Hulk one. I'm, I'm a huge Hulk fan. Hulk is tied with Batman as my second favorite hero of all time. I, I just absolutely... TV series, comic books, uh, Louis, uh, Louis Leterrier movie, not so much the Ang Lee Hulk. I got, like, a subscription amount of issues with that film just because I just didn't think it was a very good Hulk film. Interesting movie. Uh-huh. Just not a very good Hulk movie, you know? <laughs> when, when you, it, It's kind of with like my problem with Superman Returns. I went to see Superman Returns because I wanted to see a few things, and I got to see those, just not enough, and it was the same with the Hulk. You know, you, you want to see the Hulk tearing crap up and beating, beating, you know, throwing down with somebody who's just as large as he is. I mean, it's eye candy. Yeah. You know, you, you can get into the psychological implications of the character all you want, and I want that too. But at the end of the day, it's just like, look, can I just have the Hulk freaking hit something that isn't a cloud or a pile of well, rocks? Well, that, all, the, all, the, all the psychological stuff needs to build up to a Hulk smash. Yeah. Bottom line. <laughs> you know, that's because that's the essence of the Hulk. That's what all the psychological stuff's there for is to get the Hulk to smash. And I think Edward Norton is just a much better dire- uh, actor than, mm-hmm. um, than Eric Bana anyways. But... So I was like looking around and I was looking at what the masterworks are on eBay. And this is the funky thing about eBay is either you're going to get it for dirt cheap or you're going to pay full price or more. There's a collection of Hulk comics that was put out by this uh, publisher called Fireside in the 70s. Uh And they actually put out like a Spider-Man and a a Captain America and stuff. And I, I found it the first time when I was like in the sixth grade. It was in the school library. And uh, I really wasn't into real books, quote-unquote, at the time. Right. So any comic book thing I could find in the library was exciting. And I swear to God, I cannot find the hardcover of this thing for less than, like, 80 bucks. One guy, I shit you not, had it for $799. I always wonder what people are thinking when they do that. Because you pay... When the the more your auction is, the more you pay for that auction. Yeah, so when you're you gonna... start something at seven hundred ninety nine dollars, you're basically like paying eBay the maximum amount. Of this like, you you know, it only goes up to a certain amount, but you're paying like a good amount of money to eBay to an item that's pretty much guaranteed not to sell unless they know. It. But you know, when you have it there for seven hundred ninety nine dollars, and you have it see it for eighty dollars everywhere else. Yeah. How? How? What is it? Is it? Was it? Um, in its plastic tomb. And <laughs> no, I mean it, it was a really it was a mint condition hardcover. There's a hardcover uh-huh. and a soft cover. The hardcover is always more expensive. I've seen it at comic shows in this area for like a hundred, and they had a uh, they had a soft cover for fifty. And even that, I'm like, look, I really want this book. I'm not at that point yeah. yet. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if if I was, like, making a lot of money or I won the lottery, I'd be like, ah, yeah, shit, like, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll help this vendor, you know, make his money. But at this point, it's just like I want to get things as cheap as possible. So I started seeing that the soft cover of the Masterworks is popping up a lot. And I won it with shipping, $25 book, for $10.74. 
It was actually wow. $2 more than I than it would have been, but I wanted the priority mail because mm-hmm. I hate waiting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but the, the the big thing, the the huge thing is now that I'm back, not flush, but you know, able to have a little more spending money, is I, I kind of want to get back into some of the books that I did like. I, I dropped a, just about everything I was collecting uh, a couple months ago just because I didn't have the money, and I dropped the Superman books in protest. So, which, surprisingly, I saw them on the shelf at Books A Million the other day, and I went, that's nice, and walked away. There was no tinge of, should I pick it up? You know, no shaking... No, suddenly feeling sweaty and 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 and, and uncomfortable, like there's sand, you know sandpaper filling my head or uh-huh. anything. <laughs> uh, no, I just I was like that's kind of nice, and I went over and looked at the at the collected editions because books books a million. By the way, if if y'all have books a million near you, I don't know if it's going to be the same as mine. They now have three shelves worth of Star Wars stuff uh, up of. You know, different books and comics, uh, like the omnibuses and stuff like that. So, yeah, my my that, LCS that was... has a awesome, huge collection of Star Wars stuff. Or there's just a lot of it coming out new too. It's awesome. So, uh, it was nice to see because it's taking up some of the space that manga previously occupied. So I I see that as a victory, <laughs> really, that Star Wars is taking over, but. One of the How books. How do you feel about the Star Wars manga? <laughs> I have no issues with it. It's like the manga Star Trek, or the or the. I think there was a manga Superman at one point. I never got it. I know there was a manga Spider Man. Uh huh. And then there was Spider Man J, which was a manga type St- Spider Man story that ran in this anthology book. Uh, that was pretty god awful, and I always skipped it because I'm not a fan of manga. Not saying that there's anything wrong with it. Hope. Just to tell you, I don't want to piss Hope off. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to piss her off, man. No, she understands. I'm sure that there's, you know, I, I mean, I, I mean, that, that's the thing is, I just, I'm not repulsed by it, but I, I only find it at certain times. There's only been certain manga that I'm like, yeah, I really enjoy this, but for the most part, yeah, I don't. I it, it's just it. for me, it's an artistic style that I'm not into. It's like I see that style and I'm kind of turned off for whatever reason. And that, you know, that's personal opinion, that's aesthetics, that's, you know, personal taste. So it's not a, you know, it's not a, it's not me damning the entire genre yeah. of comics that, that are in that. It's just, it's not for me. Yeah. You know, it's, it's an approach I wish some people would take with superhero comics, as a matter of fact. But if you don't like it, just don't talk about it. <laughs> Just let the people that like it enjoy it and, you know, go on with your day. It's not like I'm going to start up a whole podcast, you know, Mike hates manga. Well, yeah, the thing is, you'd be be pissing against the wind because I'm telling you, in Rochester, our comic shops are a little shitty. Not, I don't want to say shitty, but they're, you know, they're, they're, they're independent little shops and, you know, they're, they're sort of by the bootstraps run and, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're, we got like three decent comic shops and one brand new one that's starting to like be pretty good but like the the manga store that they have Uh out in the suburbs here it's you know huge (laughs) that's what the teenagers are into there's people when you well when you walk in there there are people hanging it's like the soda shop and the high school soda shop there's all these kids like 
hanging out there watching. It's the it's such a G-rated wholesome experience too, which is so funny because I also, you know, I don't think they sell any like X-rated, you know, or what was a hentai. Hentai. Yeah, I don't yeah. think they uh, sell that there, but. You Tentacle porn. Yeah, right, right. But there's some stuff that's, you know, there's a lot of s- sort of sketchy schoolgirl models and stuff like that. But it's just such a wholesome vibe when you walk in and it's just like a bunch of like well-scrubbed kids watching some very... Uh, every time I've walked in, it's been like more like Japanese soap opera TV shows. They've been like videotaped cop dramas and stuff. But they're very manga-like and they're very silly looking and... Well, that's the thing about anime is that and manga is that it's not just you know like Dragon Ball Z or Pokemon or something they like to have soccer shows and, for so and, long and, I thought Dragon shows. Ball Z was Dragon Balls <laughs> I was like really? that's These a vivid image Dragon Balls? I didn't know. Oh, okay that, that, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Anne McCaffrey's kind of happy and I'm sure it's going <laughs> to put a feather in her cap at some point um but one, one of the books that, that I had to drop was The Hulk, uh, which was just ramping up to go into this big storyline called Follow the Hulks and then World War Hulks. Because Marvel did this really weird thing where they took the Hulk, who I've always seen as a solitary character, and gave him like a family. There's a Red Hulk. There was a Red She-Hulk. There's She-Hulk. And then there was Thundra, who, get this, if I'm getting this correctly is from an alternate dimension where Hulk and this character named Thundra had a kid. So you got all that going on. And I had to drop it. And I was thinking, well, I want to get back into it. I want to read the story. I don't really want to get the trades because sometimes they cut stuff out of the trades. And, you know, I want to read the whole thing as it happened in chronological order with all of the limited series and stuff that accompanied it. So I started kind of looking around eBay, and I saw this lot. It, it was uh, Fall of the Hulk's World War Hulk's complete comic set, and it was the Alpha issue, the Gamma issue, all of the Hulk, adjectiveless Hulk, uh, the six issues that crossed over, the six issues of Incredible Hulk. There was about four different limited series. All told, this thing's like 28 issues long. And most of these things were at $4 a pop. So when you added everything up, it would cost me about $120 to get everything that I wanted, right? With shipping, I paid $31.58. It's a buyer's market on eBay right now. No shit. And and it's all coming to me, and it's in a box. (laughs) And... And the thing I've I've noticed I've been getting a lot of good stuff on eBay and and it's like you said you just have to wait it out you have to and mm-hmm. and let it go you you know you can't get into that mode where you're like I'm gonna you know once you start bidding on it where you're like no I want to get this unless it's something that you're like absolutely you know hot have to get or whatever I with those ones it's always like fishing for me I'll see it and I'll be like. Oh, really? 25 cents for that? And I'm like, well, you know what? I'll place a bid for 25 cents and I'll hit my maximum at like a dollar. And I'll leave yeah. it at some ridiculously low thing. So if somebody else starts pennying it up, you know, then 
then it'll look like I'm there and fighting, but, you know, maybe they'll get up, give up after a dollar. And then, you know, I, I'll wake up the next morning and look at my trap, you know, and see yeah. see what, what got caught in the trap, you know. It's like, ooh, I got this for 47 cents. and it's then you, But usually you see a whole list of stuff that got away, you know, and go, ah, damn, and you just mentally know, and you just keep looking for that stuff. But eventually you're going to get it. If you just if you just keep at it and you keep waiting, and especially if you're a weird hours pe- person, if yeah. you're up late at night and scouring around late at night, sometimes and I wonder why people do this, but you'll find an auction that's ending, it's ending at like some ridiculous hour, no matter what time zone you're in, and you're like, why did this person make this video, you know, this this auction end at 4 a.m. <laughs> you know, okay, that's fine, you know, and. It just gives you better odds if you're one of those people that's that's up at 4 a.m. Whether you're getting up or still up. And well, uh, man, I've been my, cleaning yeah, up. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a I'm a my, like a lot of times I make my living selling on eBay. I haven't sold anything on eBay. I haven't even tried to in a long time. <laughs> I and I'm not even. I'm going to skip the Christmas season this year because it's like the economy is so crappy. I'm going to wait to put stuff up till at, well hey I'm going I'm, I'm going to be like traveling around through December so that would be where I'd have to be packing up all my stuff but I'm waiting till the post Christmas where everybody's got their eBay gift certificates that they got for Christmas that's when I'm going yeah. to put, that's when I put up the you know my Lone Ranger figure you know, <laughs> you know from that li- that like 1980s line no this is a sev- 74 Low, I got Lone Ranger, I got Tonto, and and interesting, and their horses, awesome. and they're, they're with all the guns and the and the wagon, the chuck wagon, and uh, for something $5. like that though is going to attract a, a certain type of well, well that's for a collector, buyer. but the the, yeah. the collectors will spend all, the the when the collectors will go and go like I'm gonna spend like crazy on this. Um, it's it's you nowadays it's sort of like after christmas when they have a gift certificate for 100 and it's like hey i'm getting a present i'm going to get that if i want it so i'll you know i'll spend more than i would normally because this is free money so but like when i first started doing ebay it was insane what people when people would get in a war over something and all of a sudden oh, yeah. you'd see some some crappy thing that you had and all of a sudden it's like what it's up to 60, 60 bucks and there's still 2 hours left you know it's like what what are you crazy and there's people like Rah! you know fighting over it cuz people had a little bit of money to you know had money to spend on on cool shit <laughs> which is all that I have I have all this cool shit but you know I mean I could still sell it at rock bottom prices and it's still money coming in but yeah well for me the I, I I've sold things on eBay like a total of like three times, but the 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 best was selling Watchmen one through twelve, because I bought the single issues of Watchmen at this comic shop that was going out of business. It was about to trade hands. It was this really neat seventies era comic shop that was still opened in like nineteen ninety five and about to close down. All wood fixtures smelled like mildewing paper. It was it was a great place. Awesome, yeah. Uh, and 
the guy noticed I was coming in because the you know it's, it was like you know twenty five percent off, fifty percent off, seventy five percent off. The guy's like, "You're coming in a lot." I'm like, "Yeah, you know, I feel kind of bad, but I want to take advantage of the deals." And he's like, "No, no, that's okay. I tell you what, you bring, you know, you come in next time. It's you know fifty dollars for a long box for anything over in that section." Mm, nice. So I came in with my own long box, which shocked him. And it never occurred to me that this was something silly to do. <laughs> that's what I would have done too. And that's what I would have figured, you know. Bring your long box, fill it up. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. So in that, I got like almost all of the the. the are you, do you remember Impact Comics? Uh huh. Got almost all of them except for one issue, and I got the entire series of Green Lantern Mosaic, which I love. And if you haven't read it, I'm going to recommend it to you because it's the mental mind fuck Green Lantern title that was like 16 seconds from Vertigo. I see, I don't that know was... anything about Green Lantern, but it's sounding like that's one of the ones that maybe I should learn about well, because a lot of people seem to really like Green Lantern. John Stewart, uh, the uh, African-American Green Lantern, uh, was made guardian of all at one point this crazy guardian of the universe basically pulled cities from all these different worlds and brought them to Oa and they were stuck there they couldn't be returned so John Stewart was kind of made the guardian of this area you know he had to keep the peace between all these different alien cultures and what they were kind of leading to was that John was about to become a guardian of the universe, but that was pulled at the end when the series was canceled because it was just too freaking weird for 1993. <laughs> you know, mainstream DC comics. It just wasn't going to fly. I love the series. I think it's fantastic. Got all of that. And Watchmen was just there. And this was a time when, you know, Watchmen was considered like a great comic, but no one gave a crap about the right. single issues. Right. You know, it was like, do you have the graphic novel? I want to punch somebody dead in the face every time I see that based on the graphic novel. No asshole. It was based on the comic book. Just because you feel better about yourself saying graphic novel. Well, what's really funny is I saw this one guy who's just like, it was, it was some stupid fucking thing where they're like, you know, you know you're a true geek. You know, you know you're a true geek, and it's like when you get in an argument because your girlfriend calls it a com. You know, says it's a comic book, and you know it's a graphic novel. And I'm like, no, no, actually, your your girlfriend's right <laughs> in that. You know, it is a comic so, book. Yeah, yeah, no shit. So I threw that in there just to have it. I'm like, I've never read it. At some point, I will read it. And now I have it. And when you when you factor in, okay, I paid fifty bucks for, for the long box. I crammed that thing full. Uh, so I probably got like 300, 325 books. So I paid what's like not even fifty cents, less than fifty cents for the, for those books. Right before the movie came out, I saw this thing online at this uh, on this one blog. This columnist was like saying. You know, I'm noticing that a lot of people are putting their Watchmen comics on eBay and making a crap load of money. And I went, do I still have those? Because I sold books in between. Turns out I did. Put them on eBay, and I and I, $12 was the opening bid. 
Because even if I won that, even if it was sold for just $12, I've still made money off of that. Right. When you really think about it. At which point I went, are you kidding me? You can buy the graphic, you can buy the trade paperback for like $20. (laughs) I have not even gone and looked, pardon, lately to see what The Walking Dead is selling for now. Oh my god. Like like Walking Dead number one is probably some insane. Pardon me, I just. Put some energy drink down my windpipe. Got to get those lungs pumping too. Um, yeah, I can't imagine when they when they announced the TV show that you know there were people putting them up for ungodly amounts of price, and and if they were in their vacuum sealed, you know, protective container, there were people there were ones that were like five hundred ninety nine dollars and stuff. I don't know if they were selling for that much. I very much doubt it, but. I've got a. I'm looking at a guy who has one to seventy-eight up on eBay right now for three thousand three hundred and thirty-three dollars and thirty-three cents. Wow, he's a dreamer. <laughs> wow, I'm not really seeing a number one popping right up. I don't think there's. I don't think it was a a terribly huge printing, you know. There probably wasn't. I remember it being out and going, what is The Walking Dead? And then back in September of 2007, 2008, somewhere around there, I bought the first two trades because someone's, you know, someone was like, just read it. So you're just like, yeah, that's, that was me. I like caught up on the first two trades and was just in time. Like I had one overlap with a floppy on the second trade and then it's been the issues and, ever since but but uh so i read those and i read them that night in an hour mm-hmm. just devoured them mm-hmm. and the next week i bought two more and the next week i bought two more and i got to the the final volume that i had because it was the most recent one and i'm like you know i'm just gonna read this in trade and you know i've never done that before so i'm just gonna read this in trade i'm not gonna wait for this next issue how can you do that man i'm not gonna the next week i was buying the next issue now i am behind i'm like six issues behind because walking dead is another series i have to pick up but luckily you can get issues now they're not they're not marking those up because there's they're plentiful right (laughs) i was gonna say i i i hope he's I hope he's printing trade paperbacks like they're going out of style now because... He should. He, he has to. People are going to start picking that up. Like, I really hope this, yeah, because, you know, there's people talking about they're hearing little old ladies talking about it at the supermarket and stuff, and, you know, and, I, and I've talked to a couple of people who were surprised to hear that it was a comic book first and all that because they probably heard it was a graphic novel first, but I set them straight on what it was. <laughs> With a tire iron, I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, it's a chain, actually, but yeah, you're close. <laughs> I would love to see. That's why you, Scott, and I need our own sitcom. Yeah, we could be like, well, oh, if we if we were ever in the same room together, it would be the beginning of some sort of nerd gang, you know? You know? Because just just us anywhere in the real world where it's like it's a graphic novel, and just seeing Scott's eyes roll. <laughs> What did he say? You heard what he said. You know what we gotta do. That, there's, there'd be some scene with us, like, you know, kicking the shit out of Frank Miller in an alley. I'd have, like, a broken bottle in my hand. 
What's that, Miller? <laughs> We're family. We're going Family Guy on a guy. Who's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna take. <laughs> I'm gonna take out a footy intestines for every time I cringe during the spirit. <laughs> I still haven't seen that. Oh, don't bother. Well, I... if yeah, if you're if you, there's any kind of masochist inside of you, go ahead and watch it. And if you, ha- I had to. I know how it is to where you have to, and mm-hmm. I don't regret it, but. You know, I, I mean, I was I was seriously looking for something, you know, to to go like, you know, and I and and I am one that even if I'm totally prejudiced, you can win me over and have me go. You know, I could see how he was trying to do something good with it, but yeah, that one yeah. actively like, you know, rankled me while I was watching it. It's just like, but that's all. That's that's part of going to a movie to me that's enjoyable to me if I'm getting if that movie's getting a reaction out of me even if it's complete repulsion there's there's something to it now there's not something to it like in a transgressive movie with I'm not going to give Frank Miller something like at least you got a strong reaction out of me but that's the only reason that I would be like yeah go go ahead and watch it you know it's like for the same reason that people listen to, like, you know, talk show hosts that they totally disagree with to get all wound up about, you know. Yeah, and, and I'm actually kind of the opposite. I mean, I'll, I'll listen to radio talk shows just because there's nothing else going on and my Zoom's dead. Uh-huh. So, so I have no other choice. And I really... If I'm in the car with, like, my wife, I can sit there and listen to like the radio and listen to music and be fine because we're both sitting there talking and it's kind of in the background and sometimes you know every once in a while a song will come on that we both like but when i'm by myself i really don't like it i you know if i'm gonna listen to music i'm gonna listen to the music i want to listen to like on the way to work today i was listening to the score to the incredible hulk the 2008 Uh, and in case you haven't noticed i'm on a big hulk kick lately so (laughs) that's a good score too Oh, it's, it's the first time I've ever really listened to it was this week, and I was just loving it. Doing this podcast has gotten me back into the world of films, because I listened to film soundtracks, and I grew out of it into rock and roll. But now, you know, like when, when we reviewed the Hulk show, I had to get the Hulk soundtrack to put some music in the background, and then, you know, I end up listening to it, and, you know, now now I was I was downloading soundtracks today. You know, I got three or four, found three or four... So one one I can't remember what it was. It was it's something really good, but I'm kind of pissed because I can't use it on the shows unless I individually re-record each track or convert each track because they're flack. Oh God! Format. Oh, I'm sorry. Which means they'll sound really good. They're, they're oh, nice they're to gonna sound. To. They're gonna sound great. They're gonna take up four times as much space on your hard drive. Oh, I, I don't worry about that. Good. Now they're making terabyte hard drives that are like smaller than your iPhone. That don't you don't even have to plug them into the wall. They just draw their power from the USB cable from the computer. They're tera- they're a terabyte and they're like 150 bucks for like 80 bucks. You can get one with 500 gigs on them, no moving yeah. parts. You know, so they don't like heat up or it's just insane. Okay, at this point it is magic. Let's uh, <laughs> let's just call a spade a spade. Two. Well, to anybody who yeah, to anybody who's not an engineer who knows how to design and knows how to work, 
it is magic. If you can't explain exactly how it works, yeah, it's magic to you because <laughs> but, to me uh, it is. Yeah, it's like the box that stores all the information. But with, with eBay, this is what I've been doing lately is unless I'm looking for something specific, like uh, a couple months ago I was doing this every two weeks when I got paid because I could like spend 20 bucks is I would just type Superman into the search engine. Uh-huh. And I would just look at all the stuff that's ending within the next day. And that's where I would poach from. Because for whatever reason, Crapple slipped through the cracks. Superman Family. You find Superman Family on eBay, even individual issues, you're paying like three, four, five dollars an issue. I got like a 16, 17 issue lot for 20 bucks just because I'm the only one that was paying attention at that time. It had 21 minutes left in the in the auction. I go, I'll just put in 17 bucks as my highest bid and see where that gets me. And the shipping was like $3. And like yeah, so 20, 20 minutes stop. later, I, yep. I check and damn it all I wanted. I'm like, how did I win that? There are people constantly mm-hmm. looking for issues of Superman mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just don't understand how I'm the one finding it when I'm not really doing. It's not like I'm writing a book on how to how to buy stuff cheap on eBay. It can be you know? timing. A lot of it has to do with there's a lot of people. Like here, here's another thing is is and I have really good luck with this. Although you are taking a risk when you do this to you know varying extents, but a lot of people will balk at an auction that doesn't have the greatest picture or description. You know, you'll have somebody and they'll just sort of have a picture of it on the tabletop and it's not that well lit. And, you know, and they've taken the picture from like five feet away or whatever. And they're like, oh, it's an old Superman comic. I don't know. It's in really good shape. You know, it doesn't it's not missing any pages or anything. And that's all you got to go on is. And a lot of people are like, well, you know, it's not graded. You know, they're not like it's very fine or or whatever. And there's no close ups of it or anything. So those people automatically will just not I I have to take those and like but that's how I describe I will refuse to say this comic's near mint or yeah whatever because I don't I don't want to have to deal with that guy who's like I got the comic today and I you know after scrutinizing it for 45 minutes with my Under an electron and, microscope yes, <laughs> and and carbon dating it and sniff testing it I've detected that it was near methane gas 14 years ago and you know and it's Obviously, it's obviously very fine and not near mint. And you, are, you sir, are a ripoff artist. You know that. So I just go. I'm no expert. I refuse to grade. I used to do the same thing with records. And you yeah. do. You, 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 you cut out a whole group of snobs that that, that could buy it. But a lot of the times, you don't want to deal with those people anyway. Yeah, those, it's like you don't want to deal with those people. My, my thing with the comic is is the cover attached. Okay. <laughs> right, right. How's, how's that how's that cover looking? Is it ripped anywhere? Is there like severe you know, can I, is it about to slip off? Is the spine like severely distressed? No? Okay, I'll take it. I mean, Sometimes even I've got I got a uh, underground one, the spine's rolled like hell. But it's beautiful, you know, whatever. It's still it's still colorful. 
I, I don't mind something a little beat up either sometimes. If it's so old, it adds some kit with a little character to it because well, it, at this really point, depends. I really don't give a shit what, what it's worth. I, it's some, if it's something that I want to look at and read, then I'm I mean, I, then I'm happy with it. And and if I find a better copy of it sometime and it's worth buying, I, I can get it. And Well, I, I bought a bunch of from the lone comic shop basically on the south side of Atlanta now that Titans closed. Uh, he was, I guess, wanting to unload some stuff. I don't know. But I went in there and I noticed that he had like Silver Age books, $3. So I started looking through the Superman books. And some of them were whipped to shit. Uh-huh. But it's just like, still, when am I going to find this book ever again in a price range that I want to pay for? And what I found is, as I grabbed a stack, I bought about 10 of them. They were $3 a piece. So I spent 30 bucks. And I started taking them out of the bo- the bags and boards. And yeah, some of them were in really rough shape, but some of them were beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, you know, a little bit of st- spine distress, but, you know, this book's like almost 50 years old at this point. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Y- you've got to expect something. There's another thing I'm, I'd be used to. I'll get into that in a second. But. You know, I paid $3 for a book, you know, okay, the spine's a little beat up and, you know, the cover's kind of faded and you open it up and it feels a little loose, but you're still holding a book that is over 40 years old and that you wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't normally buy, but now that book is in my collection and that means something to me. Mm-hmm. I'm one of these people that likes to have certain comics in my collection not because I think they're going to be worth a lot of money and I can sell them later. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily. No, if that's no. what you buy comics for then 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 God bless you because you know you're you know you're in it for a reason. That's fine. But for me it's a pride thing. Like I can say, yeah, I've got that issue in my collection. I can go get it right now. We can talk about it on this show or yeah, back yeah, to the yeah. bins or any, anything other and it's just neat oh, that you're, you're not talking my language there man that's exactly yeah, so, I call it the librarian gene yeah and, and, and that's another reason why I have like four or five shelves of this six foot bookshelf full of trade paperbacks because it just looks mm-hmm. awesome <laughs> and, and that that is where I am both a reader and collector, you know, there's a debate, and it comes up every once in a while in fandom, of, are you a reader, or are you a collector? And, like, they're, you know, they're, there are people that will like cast dispersions. exclusive. Yeah. And if you're just like, I'm just a reader, I buy the comics, and then I throw it in the corner, and the cat takes a piss on it, and I really don't care, because I got, you know, what I wanted out of the book, that's great. Well, I'm a collector, and you know, if it, like you said, if I you know, if I can't carbon date this thing, and I held it under an electron microscope, and I sent it to 16 experts, and we all decided that you're full of shit, you know, God bless you too. You're just wasting a lot of your time. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> you know, I, you know, going to eBay for a second, I'll believe the guy that says, you know, I don't know a damn thing about grading, but these books look okay to me. I'll believe him more than I'll believe this is a 9.23 CGC. Fuck you. You know, well, this this is what I, this is what I believe about that. (laughs) And I'll tell you this about that. And this other thing, um, 
you, you get this. And the, the, it's the same in any collectible in the antique world. Yeah. Or anything. And where you get this, like, you know, I'm. There, there's, you know, some people if they're if they're more on the reader side, they might feel a little guilty about like looking at something. Go, oh, I wonder how much this is worth, you know? Yeah. Oh, I'm getting this for fifty cents. I could turn around and sell this for five hundred dollars, you know? There's nothing wrong with that. That's part of the exciting, fun thing of that whole, the whole world. And I think the people that do best are the people who can sort of, you know, skate down the middle of that and. Yeah. Live, a, live in both worlds a little bit because, you know, if you it's 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 like being a drug addict, really, you know, <laughs> you, you if you can if you can be a smart buyer and think sometimes, hey, you know, if you're you're somewhere and there's a comic book and say it's a, a title that you absolutely hate, but, you know, it's worth one hundred and fifty dollars, but you're not into selling comics. Would you leave it there? You know, and it's 50 cents, you know, yeah, just because you sure. didn't like it. You know, no, I would pick it up. If there were five copies of it, I'd pick them up and I'd sell them all on eBay. And I'd be like, Yahoo, because you know what? It gives you some more money to go out and buy some comics that you do like. And God bless you if you're making, if you make a little money doing that, it's less money than you have to spend. You know, it's money that you don't have to spend at your crappy job earning to do it, you know? So even better. Or what, you know. So it's. I like writing that line though. Yeah. Because, because you'll be a you know, lot happier. You know, I have books in my collection that are variant covers. They serve no practical purpose, mm-hmm. but it's neat to have the variant cover. And I usually only have it with characters that I actually care about. And I, I don't try to pay too much for them. There was a couple years ago when the Adjectiveless Hulk series was starting up, the issue nine had like five <laughs> variant covers to them. And two of them were Christmas themed because they were coming out in December and you had the green Hulk on one with a Santa hat on and a sack of presents, you know, almost like giving you the thumbs up smile. And on the other one was the red Hulk with a stocking full of coal, you know, looking at it like, you know, someone just shit in his hand. And I saw them like on eBay, they were like $20 a piece and magically they appeared for cover price on the shelf at the comic shop I was uh-huh. going to at the time. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you know, that's six bucks, but damn it. You know, I like these covers. They're neat to look at. Yeah. <laughs> They're cool. You know, it's like with the trades. You know, I like getting the trades, but what I really like doing is finding the trades from like the 90s. Because now trades are pretty uniform in look and style. You know, Marvel's kind of yes. screwing people over. Because their their essentials line, which is their phone book size uh, collections for eighteen, I think they're twenty dollars now. But you get like thirty, twenty, twenty five issues a pop. They're black and white, and they keep changing the uh, cover the trade dress basically on them. Where if you have if you bought them originally and then are buying them now, they look different on your shelf. Oh, so. That's so a if little you don't, yeah. So if you don't have all of the same run, you have a lumpy, bumpy. <laughs> yeah. But but with the '90s, because trade paperbacks were still kind of a, a weird thing, you know, and they were just fine. And there's a lot more than I thought there were. I thought that you know trades really just exploded in 2000, and that's when collected editions started coming out hot and heavy. I'm finding Spider-Man collections. 
and uh, trades and X-Men trades and, 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 and all that. And they're all different sizes. <laughs> and they're, it's really weird. It's like some will be almost square, some will be uh-huh. rectangular, some will be taller than the others. But I love seeing those because what you're seeing is the infancy of what is now an accepted fact about comic books. Yeah, you you were seeing them trying out different things to see which was going to be the most aesthetically pleasing and salable and you know, and all that. So you see all these little different variations and finally you know, that resolved in some sort of you know, I it's not obviously not standard, but you know, more or less. Yeah, th- 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 there, there's different sizes, and now DC and Marvel have gotten into doing like slightly oversized hardcovers, uh, so that the artwork's a little bigger on certain things. DC calls it their library line, uh, which is a little pretentious, but you know, yeah, whatever. but that that well, that plays to a certain. You know, it depends on what gene you have. You know, what kind of what nerd genes you have. There's some. Nerd jeans are going to hear that and they're going to say, the, "What the bookshelf edition? What does that mean?" You know, and they're like, and "There's another the edition." And and I, I I I'm that way with Star Wars. Like I will be like, "What? There's Star Wars is in another format." Although I'm you know I'm not going to go out and buy a Blu-ray of of Star Wars because I don't have a Blu-ray player and I consider that still DVD. So I have DVDs of Star Wars, but I also have the video discs. And I have the Selectivision version and the VHS. And uh, I should have snapped them up when Scott and I went to that comic show back in February. We stopped at this place called Book Nook, which is a used bookstore, CD store, movie store, comic book store. Uh huh. You know everything you could want in one convenient place, and they had all of the original VHS releases of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. The CBS Fox one. Right. Some right of those, up. some of those are worth money. I don't know how much. I don't know if so much anymore. Would like since they've put out the original edits and stuff. But maybe they they might be because they're all. Some of them have diff, They all have different little quirks to them. Yeah. That a lot of people, you know, have like, um, um, you know, have gone through and noted and said, well, you know, when you hear uh, the the voiceover foley of Princess Leia saying this line in here. It's a different take, you know, on the Japanese video disc version, and on it's the same take that's on the the Super Eight, you know, well, release. It's it. it's kind of funny, which is true. Because, uh, God, eleven years ago now, my friends and I went to this place called New York Video uh, over in Union City. And not to put too fine a point on it, it was a porn shop. Uh-huh. You know, they sold adult toys. They sold, you know, videos and getting more into DVDs at that time, of course, because mm-hmm. that's when DVDs were exploding. And that's kind of what it's kind of interesting to note that porn is basically what decided DVD, I mean, Blu ray versus HD DVD, because <laughs> the porn industry went with Blu ray and thus Blu ray won. <laughs> Makes me laugh, but what, but what they had, they just like the t- they just like it. it was called Blu-ray. They're like, can you call it Blu-ray, and we'll put even more backing behind it. But uh, but they had this entire section where I guess these people went to every mom and pop 
video store that was going out of business and bought out their stock. So you had videos that were out of print uh-huh. that, and all that. And what I found was was the very first VHS release of Superman, the movie. Ooh. And it's in this black box that opens up. And the tape is heavy as hell. Uh-huh. But this was a time when videotape could literally only hold about two hours. So the ending credits are completely cut out. Like, it starts the ending credits, and then they end, and the music kind of fades out quickly. And, like, there are scenes that you you can notice cuts if you've seen the film a lot. Yeah. You notice cuts, like, where the camera would hold for a little bit and show Krypton explode. It shows Krypton, and boom, it's gone. And I was just watching it fascinated. I was just like, wow. And the running time is like 17 minutes less or so than the theatrical cut. So when you have something like that, that's awesome to have. Right. Because you, you, you have an artifact right there. You have a piece of, I consider it a piece of Superman history. Yes. Because this is, you know. Yes. V, you know, oh, the, for sure. The VCR was a huge cultural leap in movie watching and here is the first big budget live action Superman movie so oh, and I bought the, the clamshell of Superman 2 I'm predicting that um, certain movies that were put onto VHS in the pan and scan process mm-hmm. will become collectible there'll be people who will collect even though it's scan. horrid as shit to and watch. Because it's horrid as shit to watch and because it's a variation, because it's a... Okay, I and, see what you're saying. And there'll be, there'll be people going, yeah, you know, pan and scan sucks, but when you watch the Cotton Club pan and scan, you know, Coppola actually had Adrian blah, blah, blah work on the pan and scan process of this to make it not so horrible, so it's actually quite artistic, and there's even one scene that, you know, there's good, that's, that's my prediction next. That's it. The only thing I could, one of the only other things I can think of, well, the only other big thing with VHS that makes it worth it is if you can't get it on DVD. If it's some version yeah. like that Superman, you're not going to find the DVD version of that. No. And for a while, it, um, I don't know if they've put it out on DVD since then, but Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. If you have, if you have VHS, t- it, it, this was like five or six years ago, but. You know, it was one of those things where if I was in a Salvation Army and looking in the crappy video section, and, you know, a Salvation Army is just the place you're going to find Dr. Quinn Dr. Medicine, Quinn Woman, Medicine Woman, Woman on VHS. <laughs> and uh, those suckers were going for $60, $70 a pop. Um, wow. The Newhart show, the one where he owned the inn, not the Bob Newhart uh, yeah. show, but Newhart. Um, those were going for Those were going for good m- money for a while. I think they've since come out on DVD, so they probably aren't worth that much anymore. But yeah, yeah, stuff that you yeah. can't find any anywhere else. I, I mean, before before the Incredible Hulk came out on TV uh, on DVD, you know, the pilot VHS was going for a good penny. Mm. I remember, and the just Max things Headroom like story that. Was one the, the the original movie version of the Max Headroom story. Yeah, I mean, it's just, 
you know, the, and the available of D, the availability of DVD doesn't diminish those sometimes because some people still want like that. You know, maybe something about that VHS copy that maybe it was something that they watched it over and over again and their tape got worn out, but they remember the trailers that were at the beginning and that's like part of the experience for them. People, you know, because I'm like this too, sometimes you get into something and love it for the weirdest damn reasons. And, and you know, it's like when when I watch certain movies now uh, like on demand it's kind of weird not seeing the crappy trailers in front of them that you would use to get on the on the VHS tapes because I would I would watch them because I was too damn lazy to fast forward right <laughs> I'll, I'll be completely honest with you on that and I like watching movie trailers I like trailers it's, too it's it, it's it's closer to when 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 VHS had a trailer on it and they try to do it sort of with with DVDs now but it's still not quite the same but and and one of the great things about VHS trailers is sometimes you would have this juxtaposition of one movie that was totally not like the movie you were going to watch you you yeah. know and so you would get this random like very adult movie before you were watching Care Bears a movie or something you know <laughs> there would be something you know it would just be whatever that company was putting at the header of their their videos and stuff but yeah, I always I always watch the previews. You don't want to. I always watch the previews, and I always watch through the credits. You know, to I never wanted to miss anything. I uh, I really need to track down a video version of Carnosaur. Not because I have any desire to see Carnosaur, but because the first VHS release of that movie had a had the only trailer pretty much that you can find of the Roger Corman Fantastic Four film. Oh, well, I, I, I'll tell you, Carnosaur, and it's so fucked up that I know this, but Carnosaur <laughs> split had, I can't remember what other movie was being reviewed, but there were two violent thumbs up, thumb down split on this one Ebert, Siskel and Ebert show back in the day. And for one of them, it was a really good movie and he got a thumbs down and it was Siskel I believe gave Carnosaur a thumbs up, but it thumbed down this other movie, which was really good. And they got into this bitter, bitter fight. And it, they were they were like the first two movies they covered, and it poisoned the rest of the show. They were they were making little jabs at each other for the rest of the show over Carnosaur. You know, he was just like, I just... And Ebert's usually the one who goes for a more campy film, but Siskel... And, you know, by the end of it, you know, Ebert's going to Siskel. I can't believe, really? You you voted thumbs down on that, but thumbs up on Carnosaur. Okay, so you want to go on record now. So we're going to keep this take, and you're going on record saying, thumbs up on Carnosaur. I'm giving that a thumbs up. And then I'm taking this movie and I'm giving it a thumbs down. Okay, let's just be sure, you know. And he was going, "Nope, I stand by it 100." Per-, you know, gets to be a pride. And they issue. were bitter. They were pissed at. E- they were pissed at. E- I'm sure they were playing it up to an extent, but there was they were legitimately there was some legitimate like bile going on over Carnosaur. So there must be something there. So. It sounds like it's doubly worth getting. It's better than listening to Gene Shalit talk about 
I used, anything. I used so. to love Gene Shalit when I was a little kid, but that was like it was like watching Bozo the Clown. You know, he's like, <laughs> he had big hair and was loud and you Batman. know animated. Around? Holy cow! Plus, you know, my first taste of Star Wars. My the Gene Shalit was like. Gene Shalit was like the drug dealer. This is a second drug dealing, uh, hard drug <laughs> analogy I'm using at, uh, uh, tonight. But he was like the first guy to give me my first shot of Star Wars. You know, with the first time I saw a scene from Star Wars was Gene Shalit reviewing it on the Today Show, and you know his head was just about exploding. He was like, "Oh my God, this movie!" And then they show you know the Ben's death, the, the Tie Fighter attack scene right after Ben dies, and I remember what. You know, that's one of those that's one of those profound moments in my life that stands out, you know. Watching that and, you know, my head going I I remember seeing the uh at the movies review of Empire Strikes Back. Mm. Um years after the movie came out because I was like eight at the time. So uh-huh. that was like four years after the film came out. But I had never really seen it. It's really weird. My, my Star Wars history is kind of bizarre. So uh, because the first memory I legitimately have of Star Wars was when I was about four years old and I was having a hernia operation. And oh. I remember seeing, watching the news in my hospital room on the little TV, and they were showing scenes of the Hoth battle. But I didn't get into Star Wars until like three years later. (laughs) When it was a year before Jedi came out, and HBO was showing Star Wars for like the first time. And that was my first experience with Star Wars, and then Empire came on, and, and and it was literally... For like from 82 to 83 to 84, all the way up really to 86, whenever a movie would come on HBO, because if you didn't have the guide, you didn't know what the hell was coming on next, and a 20th Century Fox fanfare would start playing, you'd wait. Yes. Because if it ended before the da-da-da-da, you knew it wasn't Star Wars. Yes. But if it had that, you knew there was at least a 70% chance you were about to see one of the Star Wars films. And you only had to wait. I can't remember. Scott and I used to know the time between <laughs> Awesome. Tick, 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 tick a long time ago in a, you know, a, a, a galaxy yeah. far, far away. And when they first started showing it on Luke, on, on, um, on um, HBO, after like years after it was, and now that's the fanfare and then a Lucas film. Yeah, and then so you that. know what you're getting, but you didn't get that before. But no, but there was uh, always the same. It was like seven and a half seconds or something like that. And uh, and if you didn't get a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, by then you knew it was just going to be some shitty movie. But, but it's funny you bring up the TIE Fighter attack sequence because uh, my wife and I last night for whatever reason, just because we found it. Netflix is weird, let me just tell you, about what they have on their on-demand service and what I, they don't. Yes. And uh, we found She-Ra, Princess of Power, uh, which is right in my wheelhouse, basically, of when I was a little kid, because He-Man hit in, like, 83, I was 7. 
I got into it a year after that. Actually, it was on the tail end of my Star Wars love because Christmas of 83, I got the Millennium Falcon. I got the X-Wing fighter. I got the little exploding speeder bike. I got a crap load of figures. But for whatever reason, my mom also picked up this three-pack of He-Man, Tila, and Man-at-Arms. So it kind of bled right into that. And they're showing She-Ra's room at her at the castle and it's got this gun with it on a turret sitting by the window and rachel's like rewind that did i just see a gun in the bedroom <laughs> and it looked and i go well honey what you got to understand is that adora is just a really big star wars fan and she had hordak build her the tie fighter yes <laughs> just she could play her room they're now coming up. It's coming soon. I saw a preview video of it of an iPhone game. Yeah, your iPhone has a camera, and it was somebody in an office building in New York City filming out the window. And you look through your iPhone at, at you know whatever's in the background, and and it visually scans what's there. And from around buildings, Tie Fighters would come fly in. <laughs> and you would shoot them down, and they would go tumbling down into the ground. It was amazing. It was really cool. So that's coming soon. So that's and and and, and geeks don't like that kind of stuff. At no, all. not at all. Not no, one bit. No, they they hate that kind of stuff. You <laughs> people have it so freaking easy today, <laughs> and I hate saying that because it makes me sound old at 34, but still, damn, man. I mean, you can literally... When I was a kid, I had to take my giant Tinker Toys, which were state-of-the-art then, and there was one connector, and then Scott will attest to this. Scott and I had many battles with him. You had this one connector that was almost like the hilt of a of a, of a lightsaber, and you could stick the either the green pegs or the orange pegs. The green pegs were sturdier. And you can have lights, and that that was lightsabers. Now with your iPhone, you can. They have a light phone app or an i uh, a lightsaber app, where vroom, it comes up on your light on your iPhone, and when you swing it around, it'll make the appropriate noises. But if there's somebody else with that goddamn app within five feet of you, and they open up theirs, it detects it, and it knows how far ahead of your iPhone your lightsaber is, and where in space the other person's lightsaber is. So you can fight with them. They're invisible lightsabers, but when their paths cross, it's like... <laughs> My roommate Whiffle and I bats. had a lightsaber fight the other day with with an iPhone and an iPod Touch. Wiffle bats. <laughs> yeah. Wiffle bats were our lightsabers. That and yardsticks. Yardsticks. Yeah. Yeah, you, you had to, you, you had to use your imagination. Oh yeah, because as awesome as the toys are, they really weren't all that good when you really look at them. No, <laughs> they were great. they were all just templates for imagination, is what they were then. Now everything's a simulation. Now, yeah. I mean, Scott and I, when we were like, let's go play robots, we would go in back of the Ames store in Carthage, and we would set boxes, big giant boxes, we would find and run over them with our bo- bikes and make like robots and oh no and hit them with our bikes and then laugh and get sticks and hit them with sticks you know (laughs) man now you can go online and look at pictures of star wars anytime you want when i was seven years old i had to go down to the drugstore with a quarter and get a pack of return of the jedi cards i i can have a you can i can have a little 
you know, my iPod Touch little pad of metal and plastic that fits in my pocket in any of the pockets of my pants. And I could have all six Star Wars movies on there. Yeah. And with plenty of room to spare. And with all the making of it, all the Ewok movies and the Christmas special with plenty of room to spare. And sit there and put headphones in and watch it in stereo, wonderful stereophonic sound. 24-7 on the go anywhere. That's insane, you know. Well, That's it's the same with, like, an iPad. I mean, the, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. allowed to get an iPad or an iPhone or anything like that because my wife does not want me to have constant access to the Internet no matter where I am. You, the, the thing, and frankly, I, I don't blame her. <laughs> I think those aren't going to become... That, that, that's, like, I'm finding the people of iPads and, and iPod Touches and iPhones... They're becoming a really neat gaming platform because okay. there's all these cheap cheap app games. You can get, you know, I mean, like an expensive app game, like the most crazy expensive app game is probably going to be like four ninety nine, and there's some, and most of them are like ninety nine cents, and there's some of them by the by the sheer thing that there's sort of a touchpad. And they have to have different kinds of controls, but you, they also can tell which way you're tipping it and everything. They had to come up with some really neat and novel ideas for games to make it work to where it's a, a fun to play, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you can have ones that, that that emulate a Game Boy, but when you're trying to play the virtual buttons of the Game Boy on it, it's kind of awkward or whatever. And it's like a novelty. But they, there's games on there that are legitimately addictive and compelling and and not, and and you can play very easily online with other people and that's what I'm currently finding most people are are using them as a and I'm I have an iPod touch and I was sort of scoffing at an iPad but I wish I did have an iPad cuz some of these games on a bigger screen with the touchpad would be uh-huh. just absolute bliss absolute bliss there's this one game where you're these little sort of cells, round cells, and you're floating around and you can expel a little of your matter and you shrink a little bit. But if you touch something smaller than you, you can absorb it. If you touch something bigger than you, they'll absorb you. So it's just this game of how much can you expel. When you expel something, it pushes you in a direction. So you sort of, you know, you have to meter out your everything and think about it, but it's really neat and on an iPad it would probably be I would probably like end up like with hemorrhoids from sitting in a chair all day you know holding this thing staring at it with my eyes strobing at 30 30 frames per second and and, you know on these things and especially for the iPad I wouldn't want these for the iTouch or the iPhone but you know you get a CBR reading app yeah and that you start loading up comics on there and it's just I was reading Marvel comics on my friend. He's got the official Marvel app, you know, that, yeah. and and stuff. And boy, you know, there's straight up just you know where you're flipping through a comic, and there's ones where they've gone through page by page. And if you want, you can watch it in like four or five different modes. And there's mm-hmm. one where you're just tapping it, and it'll and every time you tap it, it'll sort of zo- zoom in on a frame like you were reading it. It very much apes. Like the attention, the way you look at a comic book when you read it. So you can sit there tapping it 
And so instead of moving your eyes around, it's doing what your eyes would do. And it's very intuitive and fluid and worked really, really well. Part of, part of me is just accepting of this, because Scott and I have talked about this, and I used to be like, ah, I'm never going to do that, blah, 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 I'm done, I want my comic in my cold, greasy hand. Uh-huh. But, you know, at the same time, it's just like, if I could sit there... You can have both. Uh, yeah, if I could sit there at work and just flip through a book, and not have to worry about carrying the book with me if I got, like, an iPad or something, you know, because cause I, I, I can read them on my laptop, it's just kind of a weird experience, it's... It's it's kind of like I I, I I I would compare it to kind of like having phone sex because yeah there's there there's something there that you're familiar with but it's in a completely alien format yeah and it really doesn't seem the same so <laughs> my God am I the only <laughs> I might be the first person to compare reading comics on your computer to phone sex <laughs> <laughs> it's getting late yeah really. <laughs> Hey, man, I, you know, I've been comparing everything to being a drug addict. Well, it's because I'm drinking hard drugs. I'm drinking Rip It Energy Fuel. But, 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 but that's on point because, you know, if you look at a comic fan and you look at a drug addict, they both have dealers. Yeah. They both have a place that's they probably in a scummy, scummy <laughs> part of town where they get their With a fix. sketchy person by <laughs> selling it to them. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not quite A is A, but at the same time. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they get at home and get behind closed doors and, like, have their, you know, I mean, the heroin addict has to sit down with his spoon and, you know, his lighter and do that whole process where, you know... Otherwise, it's bag and board and, you know, file and read and, what you know, whatever. I, I, I just have to say I was very amused. I think I got it off your your uh, Facebook account. There was a link to the guy who works at the comic shop. And, oh, yeah. Um, and has just a, it's just a single frame with a picture of the customer and their quote. And, yes, and I, I, I went and read every single one of those, and was just greatly amused and horrified by it. <laughs> Not as amused as by the crazy woman that was talking about the reptilians that are going to come and kill us all. Now, I'm glad you brought that up because that's the reason I, I made an exception and made friends with a person with a real name was so I could. I could, um, I'm going to leave you. So I collect those people. Oh, okay. Very good. And she was in, she's, she's one of my favorites in, in a collection. And there's this weird, and I, I'm, I'm imagining she's in California too. I don't, I'm not really up on her as much because she's a little less whacked out than some of, there's, there's two other girls and they all fight and they're all kinds of like, you could tell like in their twenties in her twenties, she was hot patootie I think a she's, lot of them are she's hot patootie now but it's like that yeah, older like a little enhancement going on but there's something not firing right in her brain you know <laughs> as as you noticed in the video and it's yes. the same with these ones now these other the, she doesn't give off the vibe of like crystal meth like the other ones do and the other ones are also talking about the hell's angels a lot in addition to the reptilians and they all have that sort of narcissistic thing where, you know, the angel Gabriel is talking to me. 
you know, I'm telling you right now, 611, that's when the pulse comes and, and, and they're all making these proclamations of, and they're, you know, the complete center of the universe and all of them. Yeah, they're just a, they're a certain type of kook, these, these hot patootie ladies. And a lot of them, if you explore f- further in, they'll start talking about how they're also victims of government mind control and sexual abuse. And that, yeah, that will come I, up eventually. It popped up. I forget where I found it, but I was just sitting there watching it. And it's just like And they all have stories about being raped by, like, the president of the United States and, like, Henry Kissinger. And, like, you know, they, they don't get raped by some, like, third-level Illuminati guy, you know, businessman, banker. It's always, like, the most famous people in the world, you know. But it's just like rational, rational. Oh, <laughs> okay. I'm now on board with this video. I understand it completely. My, I, it's like a, I have, and this... I could not help self staring at her massive chest. My God in heaven. <laughs> well, it's unreasonably massive. It's literally like twin globes. It's ser- seriously like. And somebody wrote something like, I don't know what you're saying because I just spent some, you know, five minutes of my time, you know, staring at your boobs. I think they're from the planet Altera or something. And she commented on him going, and she wrote something like, now that is funny, she wrote. So she has a sense of humor about her boobs, about her boobs anyway. I don't know about the other stuff, you know. But a lot of times when I've tried writing to those people and talking to them, I stop because in, they take everything you say. Like I'll make like sort of sarcastic things, and they'll say, "Well, no, actually, you know, blah blah blah." And and I say, "Okay, I don't want to get involved. This could get." I found recently a guy who could be Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. You um, do me. Oh my! I do me. <laughs> oh yeah, this guy. He looks like he might be maybe. I don't know. He might have some. He might be Hispanic or Greek, Mediterranean. You know, he's dark skinned. He's a muscle guy in his 20s, like a, a bodybuilder type. And mostly it's stuff filmed in this very, 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 very neat, clean room with a computer set up. And he'll usually have his shirt off and sunglasses on, and for the f- and they're usually about seven to ten minute videos. In the first three minutes, he'll stand there twitching his muscles and turning in different directions, while like cranking his jaw around, and just doing weird. You know, you see muscle people like here's my muscles and stuff, but he's doing these weird little, like almost ritualistic herky jerky motions. And then he'll sit down all out of breath. Sometimes while he does it, he'll play a video that you can tell he's sort of obsessing over. And he'll his eyes will sort of roll up in his head. And then he'll do a little rant in this weird sort of parlance that he has. And th- sometimes, he, sometimes a weird... But he's always talking about dating girls, but he gives off a very gay vibe. And every once in a while an old creepy Santa Claus looking guy will come out who somebody's obviously used zooming with the camera and stuff. I, I watch and pay attention to this shit way too much if you can't tell. But this old creepy Santa Claus guy will come out every once in a while and rub oil on him and then walk back behind the camera. 
So it's like he's living with, uh, you don't know if it's his father or sugar daddy or something, but he's always talking about, you know, when I go on dates with ladies and they do the, and you can tell he goes on like one date with a lady and that's it. And, and other times you'll have him all dressed up like, you know, in a button down shirt and he's all neat and clean and he'll do this weird shooby doo song that he sings. And there was one where the camera set and he's in a store, you know, and, and you see the bank of refrigerators with the sodas in it. And he's like, shoopy dooby doo, what soda do I want today? What dooby dooby doo? And, he, and he's doing all these herky, it's indescribable. It's insane. You know, obviously he's insane. And he grabs a Coke and does this whole little dancey thing and does a weird little humpy thing with the Coke and opens it up and drinks it. And I'm like, where are the people in this store? And all of a sudden my brain is picturing them like laying on the ground with like knives, you know, with their throats slit going, ah, ah, while he's like, choopy doopy doo, like filming his, uh, and they're just out of, just out of range. Like, oh, oh. And while he's doing it, you hear a phone, like, ring and then, like, boop, beep, beep, and go into, like, a answering machine. And I'm like, oh, my God, he killed everybody in the store. And now he's filming one of his weird little ritualistic shoopy-doo songs. Either that or it's where he works. It, that's what it probably is. Cause it's, it's like, like third shift. <laughs> right, right, right. But I'm telling you, and he makes about five videos a day. I, I There's this weird woman in Russia who's totally on crystal meth or some sort of thing because she just rants she's walks through the streets and i'm like when is she gonna when are the cops gonna pick her up and then like two days later i see a video with her talking with her camera while the cops are talking to her and she's talking into her camera and she knows lots of english phrases so she's doing them in this weird almost like english words but not making any sense i'm yeah (laughs) So I'll I'll I'll, I'll make the internet. I'll, I'll make up a nice little um like thing for for the um for our forum with with a whole selection of all my favorite crazies because I've got so many. I've my favorite mi- crazy minister finally came out and declared that Barack Obama was the Antichrist the other day. He's been Yay. he's been tippy toeing around it for like six months, and I'm like, come on, guy, just say it. You know that's what you're feeling. Say it, say it, please, please, please. And finally, he's just like, I'm gonna say it. Before that, he's been calling him the long legged Mac Daddy. <laughs> the uh, the weird thing about finding that video, just to tell you, was I literally that 
afternoon finished listening to your freak files. Mm. <laughs> so it all kind of came together. So I was thinking of you and, and Scott when yeah, I was watching. It. Yeah, yeah, because it's like, oh, what's she talking about? Oh, yeah, but she she loses it real fast. She goes off yeah. the rails like you know, there's <laughs> she goes from zero to 120 in like <laughs> half a second, you know. <laughs> It's just like wow! I just I just thought you were a bored housewife. I didn't realize you were a batshit crazy bored housewife. Yeah, it's out west, yeah. man. That's where out in California and stuff, people are different. They're oh, it's, different. It's, it, that, that's where that that one guy that believes that the lo- the moon landing was a hoax lives with his cats. I'm not uh, well, kidding. He has like a whole bunch of cats. <laughs> I, I well, I watched a Penn and Teller episode recently, a Penn and Teller bullshit, where they were talking about pets. But they had a whole mathematical equation of the, you know, number of cats and the crazy factor. And I think it was, and I and I think you're allowed to have up to three cats before the crazy factor starts to come into factor. And it also depends on if you're the only person in the house, too. But it, it, like, with each cat after, like, three or four cats, it, like, multiplies by a factor of eight, I think, per each cat, you know. So, yeah, you can go cra- you can get really crazy really fast when you start, you know, sliding down that slippery kitty slope. I don't know, man. I could be a cat person someday, so I don't talk too much shit about the cat people. I like cats. <laughs> well, cats are... Uh... I'm happy with one or two of them. I don't need a hundred of them to worship me as their, you know, as their king and eat me when I die in my hermit hole. What's I about to say? <laughs> suck the breath out of the babies. Yeah. Because <laughs> we, like we like to believe in weird shit. <laughs> yeah. Because we don't understand that there's actually a disease that babies can catch from a cat. No, it has to be that the cat sucks the breath out of the baby. Well, I, I have you ever had a cat that was a breath sucker, though? There's cats that are breath no. suckers. And no, like, I, I, I grew up with a cat, and it, it wasn't a breath sucker. There's only a few. There, it's only certain cats will have, you know, cats are like people. They'll have traits. But I've met a couple cats that are breath suckers, They and I think what it is is they like the smell of people's breath, you know. Maybe they can smell food in there or something. But if you like if if you're like holding one of these cats and you blow towards it, they'll like stick their nose right at, at, in your mouth and be like mmm, you know, like somebody's holding the most savory, you know. They get <sighs> Yeah, exactly. And I could see one of those cats like, you know, somebody coming into the baby's room or the kids' room and seeing that cat just sitting there going and then, then, then going, no, 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 so the devil's doing something there, you know. <laughs> something something ain't right, Scott. <laughs> I, I grew yeah. up with, we had two cats growing up, starting when I was seven, and going uh, all the way up to, uh, well, Humphrey died my first year of college, and I had to give Hector up when I moved down here, but we had them for years. <sighs> What do you think? Was that enough? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was great. All over the place. Two True Freaks has been brought to you by Joe Anthrax, or N. Sean Engel, whichever you want to call him. 
At this point, Two True Freaks would normally ask you to peruse our sponsor's product or perhaps even buy our sponsor's product. But since Mr. Engel is just a, a concerned citizen, um, we ask that maybe you just um, maybe swear your eternal loyalty to him or perhaps swear your firstborn child to him. Or better yet, just send him one dollar. Or better yet, just send one dollar to Two True Freaks. Or better yet, just send $10,000 to Two True Freaks. And I'd like to finally thank Scott Gardner, without whom none of this would have been necessary. Did you know... You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. That's right. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Twotruefreaks.libson.com is spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot Libson, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. You can find me, Scott Gardner, both on Twitter and Facebook. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. We are also members of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check it out at www.comicspodcasts.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. Thanks for listening. Join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Future Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U. Joe, Joe, Joe and Alex. Alex.